You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. The serious side of the J. Rouse Show is coming up next right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio at its best. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. 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 No more, it's none of my business. No more, I'm sure they'll work it out. No more, boys will be boys. No more, I'll say something next time. No more, why didn't she tell anyone? No more, she was flirting with him. No more, she's too smart to let that happen. No more, not my problem. No more, he didn't mean it. No more, why doesn't she just leave? No more, he said he was sorry. No more, she was drunk. No more, she was asking for it. No more, she seems just fine to me. No more, she should have been more careful. No more, we don't talk about that. No more bystanding. No more ignorance. No more excuses. No more. No more. No more. WWE Superstar Big Show here to tell you if you've been drinking, get a ride. Take a cab. Find another safe way to get home. Cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving. They will see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Online radio at its best. Online radio at its best. Hey, 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 good stuff. If you're ready, map of the south. Let's do this. I'm telling you, I am first. Very honored that you would join me tonight. He has a very limited time spot, so we want to bring in Mr. Alan Sowell right away. Hey, how are you, Kathleen? You know what? I'm going to make you do what I do, baby. Man, what's crack a baby? What's crack a It's time for the serious side of the James Brown Show. Don't try to call me out, princess. You can take your love and true purpose and stick it. She's a bitch. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Network. Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. More protests are planned today, a day after protesters took to the streets in cities across the country. The largest rally, sparked by the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, appeared to take place in Washington, D.C. Protesters packed the street from the Capitol to the White House. In Wichita, Kansas, demonstrators rallied in front of City Hall. As Carla Eccles reports from member station KMUW. Peaceful protesters chanted the phrase eight times in eight minutes, marking the words used by George Floyd, a black man who died after being restrained by a Minnesota police officer. Demonstrator Isaiah Holloman held a sign that read, Are my sons next? have older black American sons that be, you know, out in the streets every day and, you know, just, like, my son next to get shot. Protester Galvin Hart says police brutality has to stop all around the world. To say all lives matter is stupid. Because the people of color are the ones being treated poorly. It's just neglect to say that's not happening. Demonstrators also registered to vote while others purchased NAACP membership. For NPR News, I'm Carla Eccles in Wichita. Most of the marches around the country this weekend were peaceful. In fact, New York City's mayor has just announced an early end to the city's curfew. But in Portland, Oregon, police began dispersing protesters just after midnight, declaring their protest a civil disturbance after objects were thrown at them. 
Authorities say an officer was injured by a firework that had been thrown in Seattle. Police used pepper spray to disperse a crowd throwing rocks, bottles, and what authorities said were improvised explosives. Members of Milwaukee's NBA team showed up in support of Black Lives Matter protesters Saturday evening. The Milwaukee Bucks also plan to hold their own rally today. Emily Files of Member Station WUWM reports. The NBA's reigning most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo, joined protesters as they marched for the ninth consecutive day. Antetokounmpo says he wants change and justice for his city. He and his teammates wore shirts with the words, I can't breathe, a reference to George Floyd, whose death at the hands of Minneapolis police set off calls for change across the country. The issue of police brutality is personal for the Milwaukee Bucks. One of their players, Sterling Brown, sued Milwaukee police in 2018 when officers used a stun gun as they arrested him for a parking violation. For NPR News, I'm Emily Files in Milwaukee. The ongoing protests over George Floyd's killing in Minneapolis, his family will be laying him to rest this week. Floyd's family is preparing for a funeral in Houston, Texas on Tuesday. And you're listening to NPR News. Coming up next on the serious side. Prosecutors say Officer Derek Chauvin had his knee on George Floyd's neck for 8 minutes and 46 seconds, including 2 minutes and 53 seconds after Floyd had become unresponsive. Today, arrest warrants were issued for former Minneapolis police officers uh, J.A. King, Thomas Lane, and Tu Chow. Finally, I'd like to announce that today, Hennepin County Attorney Michael Freeman and I uh, uh, filed a complaint that charges uh, police officer King, Lane, and Tao with aiding and abetting murder in the second degree a felony offense. I strongly believe that these developments are in the interest of justice for Mr. Floyd, his family, our community, and our state. Equal justice under the law must mean that every American receives equal treatment in every encounter with law enforcement, regardless of race, color, gender, or creed. They have to receive fair treatment from law enforcement. They have to receive it. We all saw what happened last week. We can't let that happen. Hopefully, George is looking down right now and saying, there's a great thing that's happening for our country. There's a great day for him. It's a great day for everybody. Happened to Floyd happens every day in this country in education, in health services, and in every area of American life. It's time for us to stand up in George's name and say, Get your knee off our necks. Drew Brees gave a lengthy response later to our Mike Triplett saying, quote, I love and respect my teammates and I stand right there with them in regards to fighting for racial equality and justice. I also stand with my grandfathers who risked their lives for this country and countless other military men and women who do it on a daily basis. Brees' teammate, Malcolm Jenkins, had a very strong reaction to those comments. This was from an Instagram post which he subsequently deleted. Our communities are under siege. 
and we need help. And what you're telling us is, don't ask for help that way. Ask for a different way. I can't listen to it when you ask that way. We're done asking for people who, who share your sentiments, who express those and push them throughout the world, the airways, are the problem. And it's unfortunate because I considered you a friend. I looked up to you. You're somebody who I had a great deal of respect for. But sometimes you just shut the f*** up. Malcolm Jenkins. Under any circumstances, Chief, <laughs> Could this have been prevented? Are police officers taught to where they have a suspect apprehended? This guy was in handcuffs. He was no longer a threat as far as I'm concerned. Tell me what you saw wrong and how the police officers handled this situation. So as you know, I've been a guy in blue and green for 33 years. And out of 33 years, I've been head of investigation. I've been part of the SWAT team for the president, and I've been a police chief for 19 years. And through all the training that I went to and all the training that I have taught police officers, that hold has never, ever been utilized. Welcome to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show with Kathleen Williams. Mrs. Vanessa Maybell, Mr. Jerome Esprit, the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D, and Mr. Elias. Now here is your host, Jay Rao. Good morning and welcome to the serious side. I'm Jay Rao. And here are the topics that we will be discussing today, June 7th, 2020. Remembering George. This past week, the first of many memorial services for George Floyd began uh, in Minnesota. Despite the arrest of the remaining three officers and the upgraded charges on Floyd's murderer, the protest continues all over the world. Is this a defining moment in the civil rights movement? Is this what we've been waiting for? We'll talk about it. Ruffing the quarterback, New Orleans Saints QB, Drew Brees, said that he would never agree with people taking the knee during the national anthem. Well, after fierce rebuke by NFL and NBA players, he reversed his stance, which puts him on a collision course, which put him on a, which put him on a, on a collision course with the President of the United States. Was his apology enough? to quell all the people who are pissed off at him right now. And a conversation with the Chief. The Chief is back. We'll continue to have a conversation, or we'll have a conversation with Chief James Hobson from the San Antonio area. We can't wait to have that conversation. But first, let me introduce you to the people who makes this show possible every week. Let me bring them in. First, let me bring in my big sis. I love her to death. She was fired up last week, but I hopefully she's calmed down a little bit this week, but that's okay. We like that fire. We like that fire in the belly. Let me bring in my big sis, Vanessa May Belly from the Macanelli. Good morning, Vanessa. How are you? Good morning, Jay. Good morning, everybody, and thank y'all for listening. And last week, for sure, what has been, the last two weeks has been a really rough time for me with all what's going on. So, I'm ready to get into it because I've been fighting with people on Facebook this morning already. So let's Mm. get with it. Good morning, Jay. I love you too. 
Well, I love you, sweet. And of course, the lady who, you know, I tell you what, no matter what we need, if we need something from a legal perspective, if we need just an intelligent uh, voice of reason and all the experience that she has on the radio, if we need some healing, if we need to be healed both physically and spiritually, this is who we need to call. Let me bring in my other big sis, uh, Miss <laughs> Kathleen Williams. Good morning, Kathleen. How are you doing? To God be the glory. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing better than I was last week, but I'm still fired up. Still mad. Amen. Good morning, but Kathleen. But I'm hopeful. Good morning, Vanessa. Can't wait to get into this conversation this morning. Now, once again, everybody's my brothers and sisters. Here's my little brother, this guy here. I call him the educator brother. I tell you what, what he's doing for the black community, the changes that he's trying to make, you know, uh, one village, you know, we, you know, you raise a village one child at a time. You build a house one brick at a time. I love what this guy has going on. I love this man with all my heart. Let me bring him in, uh, Mr. Johnny D in the place of the man. Good morning, Johnny. How you doing? Good morning, good morning, good morning. I, I am humbled at your remarks and commentary, Jay, and I'm, I'm blessed to, to certainly be here. Uh, you know, as I've said for nearly the last 18 to 20 months that you and the rest of the contributors have allowed me to be a part of this broadcast as well as the, the listening audience, uh, I was inspired by the liberation that this show put, provides and of course it really came down to action so everything that I have done has been by the will of, of God and then also by being inspired by your work and your body of work that uh, each one of you all you particularly you and Les have done for the last 10 years so you know I, I thank those listeners who allow us to come into their homes each week and I thank you I thank Miss Vanessa Dr. Williams Jerome Unless uh, you all are, are are by trade, you do this as, as a profession. So to allow a novice like myself to be part of it, uh, I am deeply humbled and looking forward to the show itself. Look at this guy. I tell you what, now, see, we're not going to, he's not a novice anymore. Come on, ladies. He's trying, you know, he's a novice. No, you're not, guy. You are the man. And we love you to death. Appreciate you. But you did say, Mr. L.E.S., which is a beautiful segue into the guy who really runs everything around here. His brother here knows that uh, if he needs any lungs from me, I, if he needs a lung, would I give this man a lung? Uh, yeah, I probably would. He's the man who really runs everything around here. The one and only Mr. L to the E to the S gets the last word every Sunday morning, first and last word. Mr. Elias, man, good morning. How are you? Good morning, sir. How are you doing this morning? I'm appalled that you would have to think about that. But hey, man. Yeah, I know. Eh? I, I know <laughs> should have been an immediate yes. <laughs> wow. Uh, good morning, Hawk. Uh, good morning, Vanessa. Good morning, Kathleen. Good morning. How you doing? Good morning. And Vanessa, Vanessa, I'd like to apologize to you, baby. I didn't have my phone with me this morning. I saw you call just a few minutes ago. I'm sorry I missed your call. I got it posted. It's all good. Glad to hear you. 
Okay. This is Big C Live Radio. We're family, and so we talk off the air too, folks. And the number is three four seven eight five zero one two seven to our colleague, our colleague, uh, Mr. Jerome Spree, who usually joins us after his commitment to Click Channel Radio. Usually joins us, but until then, till he shows up, we like hold it down. down. But the man himself. Uh, the number once again is three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We have a lot to get into this morning. Uh, can't wait to talk to Chief Hobson. That's coming up in the third set. We have a lot to get into between now and then. So without any further ado, the chat room should be open. You want to listen to the show? You can go to iHeartRadio. You can go to Tuned In. You can just type in the serious side and S S E. R-I-O-U-S-I-D-E, all one word, in Google, and you should be able to find us there. There's so many different outlets that carry, outlets, I should say, that carry the show. So you can find us. Just be a part of it. Come on in and be a part of the conversation. Let's get it started. Here's our first topic of the morning. Today, arrest warrants were issued for former Minneapolis police officers uh, J.A. King, Thomas Lane, and Tu Tao. Finally, I'd like to announce that today, Hennepin County Attorney Michael Freeman and I uh, uh, filed a complaint that charges uh, police officer King, Lane, and Tao with aiding and abetting murder in the second degree of felony offense. I strongly believe that these developments are in the interest of justice for Mr. Floyd, his family, our community, and our state. That was uh, Attorney General uh, Ellison, Keith Ellison from Minnesota, uh, talked about how the other three, since the last time we were on the air, all four officers who were involved with just the tragic murder of George Floyd are now in custody. The uh, charges were upgraded on the uh, murderer of George Floyd, uh, third to second degree murder. And so, but what I'm seeing is. We are still seeing protests in the streets, and now in London, if you're watching any TV, if you're near a TV set, just flipping on. I mean, my goodness, what's going on in London and what's going on all over the world is something that's so profound. So let me start the conversation off with you, Ms. Delias. Uh, now that these officers are in jail, do you think this will be enough to calm people down, or do you think you will continue to see the protests? Because people are protesting. They are not letting this go by. So what do you think, sir? No, I, I don't think so, Jay. I mean, we've seen this play out before where we, you know, you put people in jail and, uh, you know, they get up. They don't, they, don't, they don't serve any jail time, you know, and they go right back. You know, it, it, it's, it's the narrative has been played out before. One of the officers had been there for four, only, only four days on the force. And somebody said, well, what, what, is, what, what, would, you, what would you have done? I, I know right from right and wrong from wrong. If I see somebody killing somebody, Am I just going to stand by idly and watch it? And he was one of the officers that was kneeling on his midsection. So, um, you know, no excuses, man. Just results, man. That's, 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 my, that's my narrative. No excuses, just results. These four officers should, should, should have been charged with murder from the very beginning. And um, they, they should have been in jail. And it's no, no. If I if I watch you murder somebody, Jay, and did nothing about it, and didn't go to the police and say, "Hey, this is what happened," yada yada yada, I'm going to jail for aiding the bed. I'm I'm definitely going to jail. I don't get a pat on the back, you know. And I, I've been watching different narratives on on different police. Uh, and in Baltimore, they got a they got it so where all you got to do is fill out the information, just put your name. 
where it happened at and everything else. And then, and then it says, and the, the operative was a black male. They don't, I, I, I was done. I was done. This is, this is how systematic and systemic that this problem is with us. So until these people, are, are, they go to jail for a long time, I think people are going to continue to uprise. I do. You know, the thing is, you mentioned about, uh, you know, going to jail. You talked about being those ribs, Mr. Elias, on, on those lungs. And, man, you, you, you rat me out, huh? Wow, we'll talk about that off the air. But I get what you're saying. <laughs> you know, honestly. All right, 347 You know, uh, let me go to you, Vanessa. Um, I was touched uh, by the protest of the week. And like I said, like we even talked about last week, how most of the kids that you saw out there, at least from my perspective, were white kids. And why do you think that this killing of George Floyd has, I mean, I mean, listen, we know that there were, there were, Plenty of protests when Eric Garner was, uh, Garner was killed. There were plenty of protests for all the other young men and women who have been killed by law enforcement. And, you know, Trayvon Martin, even though it wasn't law enforcement, the fact that this guy thought he was a law enforcement officer, in my opinion, puts it in that category. We saw the outrage. But I have to tell you, I don't think I've... I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. We are seeing real reforms happening right before our eyes. And so why do you think, Vanessa, that the death of George Floyd has triggered such um, uh, just a movement? And do you think that this will be sustained or will it be like all the others? You know, once the uh, bright lights of the media go away, then, you know, we're back to business as usual. Let me start by saying that I am so proud just of our millennials who are out there protesting like we have never seen in this world because it is being protested all in Europe and they're showing London and Paris. And, you know, it's, it's, this is a different ballgame, as Justin Jackson has stated. These millennials are not going to take it laying down. They're going, they're sick of it. You know, when that little boy, um, Trayvon Martin, was um, killed, um, a lot of these people were children. And as one of them dressed, excuse me, in a hoodie and was being interviewed by CNN, he said he was a child and that he felt honored to be out there in this particular protest from the protests and things that he's seen going on as a child. So, you know, these kids are outraged. I have seen videos lately because people are posting all kinds of videos where young white kids have been thrown in the grass and beat with, a, with that stick that the police officers had. And I was appalled and insulted, but we didn't, you know, we didn't hear about that because there's so much black beatings going on. But let me say this. They have already started changing laws. I told uh, my husband that these laws are being changed already. Minneapolis is already, if I'm not mistaken, the state I think is Minneapolis, has already changed the law where you cannot do a chokehold anymore. So that's one thing that has already been changed due to the millennials out there rioting. Now, the Texas governor, Jay Abbott, is saying that he is willing to sit down and listen and get some changes done within our police force. And I truly believe that there will be some only because we have, you know, Sylvester Turner, who is a strong black mayor. So to answer your question, I think the picketing, I mean, the riding will cease after he's buried in Houston around the corner from me on Monday and Tuesday. And but I don't necessarily believe the laws are going to change. They're not going to not start changing. I think these kids have had it. 
that they're going to get these laws changed. I truly believe that. And I don't think it has anything to do with if Biden gets in office or anything else. These kids are sick of it. My daughter is appalled, and none of this stuff bothers her. But she is like, I just cannot believe they did that in people's face and didn't care who saw it. Now, real quick, because y'all know uh, this, this really gets me. Les, I want to comment on what you just said. I do believe, and at first, me, I thought that those other police officers should have been going to prison for the next 25 years. But after I found out that one of them has only been on the job for three weeks, and he told that man to get up off that man's neck, and he didn't, I honored the judge who told him to stay in jail, in jail with a million-dollar bond. But Vanessa does not believe that he should go to jail for 20 years for being on a job three weeks. And there wasn't nothing he could do. So they're putting that on Minneapolis also. But if you see it, then we're going to file on you if you don't do something. But for right now, that man had been there three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah, we, 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 yeah, and that's something that I was thinking about as well, you know, and, and Hawk, you know, being a former military guy, I think that's something we could, we could definitely dive into that once the, once this proceeding gets, gets going. But let me, let me swing to you, Kathleen, because, you know, one of the things I thought about is, because I've been asking myself the question, what makes George Floyd's death different than the others? And I think it's a combination of people are saying this is the straw that broke the camel's back, but then I also think that maybe the coronavirus played a role in this as well. And the reason why I say that is because people are at home. I remember walking around the office and, you know, you hear white people talk amongst themselves about things that are happening with, you know, African-Americans. I remember when the young cop broke into the wrong apartment and shot uh, the young man in Dallas. And, you know, so you had people at work saying, oh, you can overhear them talking. Oh, well, you know, this is that, you know, this is what happened. She made a mistake, blah, blah, blah. So people usually go home, you know, already biased based on what their co-workers have told us, and when they look at it, they're looking at it through a biased lens, but now people are seeing this at home raw, and so it's like, oh my God. So I think the coronavirus played a role in this, because people at home, that's just my thought process, but why do you think George Floyd's death has triggered such a movement, and do you think it will be sustained? I, um, I've, I've heard that about the coronavirus, and you know, it just I don't know the answer, but I'll tell you that I believe that this was, for lack of a better word, the perfect storm. And that a lot of uh, things in society <clears throat> just, um, you know, met at an intersection where we were, we were blocked in. You're... I think the coronavirus, I think the, the man who sits in the White House right now, currently, I think all of what he's done to showcase his bigotry and racist tactics and character on a, on a national, on an international, on a global stage, he has not hidden his racism. The fact that all of the white supremacists that or have been out so boldly, and uh, I believe also we can go back to President Obama, President Obama, and the fact that we had a black man as President of the United States. We can't ignore the fact that we saw racists come, you know, come out boldly 
as a result of interest. And basically say, oh, no, 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 never again. He might have slipped in there this time. But they have been so outrageously bold with their racism in ways that many of us haven't seen so blatantly and out in the open um, since Jim, days of Jim Crow or days of slavery or days in between or all, all of that. So I do believe that the fact that people were at home they watched it on television incessantly. They had just killed Breonna Taylor days before. Uh, Ahmaud Aubrey had just been lynched. It was, you know, this is something that came together at a time where people had to look. They had to pay attention. They had to remember that we don't have a Supreme Court justice, uh, uh, a, a, a liberal Supreme Court justice in on the Supreme Court because Mitch McConnell wouldn't allow the uh, the Senate to vote. You know, they refused to just take a vote on him. They remember how they treated President Obama. And I, th- I mean, the fact that he spoke as well recently, you know, reminded people, oh, wait a minute, we need to do something because this man is about to take us into a civil war, which I do believe is his ultimate desire. That's interesting. Great comments. I love it. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Man, we're almost at the bottom of the hour, but I want to get everybody's comments on this. Johnny D. Uh, you know, same question for you, man. Why do you think the the George, the, you know, George Floyd's uh, death has triggered such a response? And this thing is continuing to roll. Do you think that after he's been buried, uh, this will go away? Or I mean, just what are your thoughts on this, man? Can you, because we've had a lot of these. I mean, we've seen so many unarmed black men shot and killed. Walter Scott. You know, ran away from the cop. The cop shot at him, I think, six or seven times. Then dropped a taser by him. But it didn't trigger the type of response that you're seeing today. Why do you think this particular situation has created this movement that we're seeing play out all across the globe? You know, respectfully, um, I think it's a a combination of of several different aspects. if, if we go back to 1992 with, with Rodney King, uh, you know, that was kind of the age of surveillance cameras and videos and really the first atrocity that people had an opportunity to see played out um, in front of them. And that received a, a, a national a, a national broadcast. Uh, but it goes back to, to what, what you read in the scriptures, you know, God will use the least of us. For his will and our purpose So I, I, I do believe That the national Appeal And will, will help sustain This here uh, Dr. King It wasn't until Dr. King Exposed America for his hypocrisy Back in the 60s Where other countries started to look at America as, as this shameful Nation that America saw That you know it, it, it was time for us to, 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 to really look At being serious about all of the atrocities and the discrimination against uh, African Americans and blacks and Negroes, whatever they wanted to call us at the, at the time and whatever we received at the time. But I think the thing that that stands out to me the most, and, and when I talk to to other other colleagues of mine and you know just citizens within the community, uh, you know I told you about the the event I attended uh, last last weekend. 
it was the the arrogance of that criminal um, Derek Chauvin the arrogance of him to just simply look in the camera and continuously you know people were saying well he had his hand in his pocket like he didn't care no that was a tactical maneuver to press down on and add additional pressure but then when you hear a grown man grown man utter the words of mama that tore at the heart and the fabric of a lot of people because there's no mother out there that wants to hear the pain of a child and there's no man that doesn't understand that when you when you when when you get to that point where you scream out for your mother that the anguish and the pain and to see that this young man this grown man urinates on himself and this man has foam coming out of his mouth and the life sucked out of his body in front of you that will tear at your conscience even the least of us so I do believe that 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 depiction and what we saw the arrogance of the officer and just this grown man saying mama calling out for his mama really appeal to the hearts of, of, of individuals the entire the entire world has seen America for for that shameful act and I won't sit back and I won't incriminate every law enforcement officer but that gentleman was a criminal um, I, I, I do look at the fact that um, uh, Miss Vanessa brought this up and, and I think Les was the first one that said it we, you know we talk about the the experience of at least two of those officers and you know you've got to take some degree of understanding you know me having been and ju as well being being in the military and me continuing spies and 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 and, and law enforcement and and, and and public safety i understand that when you have a field training officer and a senior officer that sometimes it's difficult to 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 kind of go against the grain and I think those young men although should be charged okay so I, I will never say that that there is a different degree Chauvin was deliberate in what he did Cal was implicit in the fact that he did nothing as the next senior officer so I think that's how you will see the charges play out I do think that that their lack of experience will be some mitigating factors uh, down the line and then you have to look at you know just uh, this reprobate uh, Trump in and of itself in the atmosphere that he's created and I think something that's really profound is where even you get some of the more conservative people and, and some of those militaristic individuals and when I say that I say that in an admirable manner and those law enforcement individuals the generals came out against him okay the generals came out against yep. you know deploying troops against citizens and, and who were those citizens? Jay, you just said, you know, the overwhelming amount, depending upon what city you in, were young and Caucasian. So now you yep. have you have simply, you know, de- deployed military force against against our own. So I I, I do think that this was the perfect the the, the the perfect scenario for reform and change. But let's temper our expectations. You know, what I saw yesterday in, in, in Minneapolis was disturbing to me. You know, when you've got um, this representative um, who, who and, and other citizens who were talking about disbanding law enforcement, and you, you remember how everybody was championing for the mayor in, 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 in Minnesota, and then they ran him off on a, on, on a carpet of shame yesterday. You know, I thought that, yes, that, was, that was appalling, and it really was sad 
that he took that long walk of shame by himself uh, and he came yeah. out as a person within the community because look he didn't have any security I mean he didn't have no law enforcement right. he had to walk that long he showed up with his daughter himself. right I think did he show up with one of his kids I, I think yeah, I can't sure remember Johnny he if walked he walked off by himself but it, 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 okay. it's shameful how people can yeah. sit back and, and, and honestly think that you can you can defund and disband law enforcement and criminal activity. So I think yeah, yeah, I want to talk about expectations now. Yeah, I want to jump in here. I want to jump in here real quick, John, because we're at the bottom of the hour. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Thirty five minutes after the hour. Uh, yeah, I want to. We're going to talk about that uh, in more detail next week. I, I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that uh, I'm hearing more and more uh, people talking about the, the funding of the police, and you know. So I think there's a different, a couple of ways to look at that. But like I said, I want to definitely get into that topic. Now it's the bottom of the hour. hour. We usually stop by take a break, but the, the smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree, is here. So I want to definitely get his comments on this. So we'll run over a little bit because I want to get him in. He's the man. Uh, I call him the smartest man in the world, the man who a lot of people are like. It's amazing when I read some of the comments. We all get – let me – let me. if I had to guess who gets the, the, the most positive comments amongst us all, I want to say maybe it's Kathleen and, and, uh, and Mr. L.E.S. And that's not saying what? I get the worst. I get the worst. No, actually, I'm lying. Jerome get the worst. I'm second. <laughs> you know, and and it's like you know, but whatever. You speak the truth, people are gonna come at you. It, it's no big deal. But it's funny sometimes when I sit back and kind of read some of this stuff. But let's bring him in. Uh, the most hated man on the TGR Radio Network. Mr. Jerome is free. What's going on, oh, man? I'm <laughs> the smartest man. The most hated. Like that is weird and funny at the same time. <laughs> oh man, there he is. I thought it was me, but he has that title. Hook, line, and sinker. Now, what's going on, man? What's, what's your thing on this show, man? What you say? I said it makes perfect sense. So go ahead. But it's amazing when you read some of this stuff. And, you know, it's like, how did you read it on air? Because I'm not going to read it on air, so you can send it all you want to. I can care less. So um, let, let, let's let's go. But I want to get your comments on this, Jerome, because, you know, once again, man, I mean, look at what's going on. I mean, we're day, what, 12 of this? And we're still seeing people protesting in the streets. We're still seeing these things. And so do you think that this is the defi- this is a defining moment in the overall civil rights movement, do you really think so? Do you think this is going? To, this is really a game changer with the death of George George Floyd? Do we have to take a break after this? You know, I I don't um, I don't really subscribe to it from from that perspective. And here's really? why: is that okay. we we try really hard to make sense. It's kind of how our brains work, right? We always try to make sense of when, what, why, how, and we package it in such a way that fits a narrative that we already previously understand. Like, so whatever it is that we've seen yesterday, we will figure out what's going on today and pre-package it to something that we saw yesterday. So every time something happens anew, we have to condense it. So in this situation... Um, where people are just flat, like, outraged. Like, this is what happens in Europe when those guys protest. Like, they really are all out. And we don't do that here because there's some comfort in us uh, because our media narratives packages packages it in a way that, you know, kind of moves everything underground. 
So when something happens to black people in particular, it's always, you know, when black people have a march, we use words like nonviolent um, or a rally against violence. Like we put violence in our names to pacify white people because black people don't have, never had an event in the history of the dangon planet that said, hey, we're going to rally to actually have violence. We don't do that, but we put nonviolence in, in our phrasing of our gatherings because it pacifies white folks. At the moment that we stop doing that, they start getting uncomfortable. So it's kind of why even in starting this segment or starting this piece with me, that it's actually funny that I would get hate mail. And it's not because I do anything, anything malicious or that I say something that is um, – that, that is – harmful or goes against Christianity like I don't do any of that right what it is is that it goes against norms to tell the truth so when you say something like white folks have a pathology and we need to understand what it is and they need to deal with it because what happened in this case of uh, George Floyd is white folks have to face their own pathology. The look on that officer's face while he was applying pressure to his neck and everybody else on him and him saying I can't breathe and all this other stuff, the look on his face was of calm. It was like, this is what we do. And he didn't give a damn. His humanity wasn't there. White folks care about dogs and I go Vic should be banned for life for making any kind of money because his cousin or somebody killed the dog on his property. Right? They, they can, you can look at life any way you want to, but when white folks have to yeah. face their inhumanity, the other white folks kick in and say, hey, wait a minute, this is not who we are. So it is their work to do with their folks more than it is our work to highlight it. Because invoking Martin Luther King has always been a problem because nonviolence was a strategy so that. It will prove how inhumane white folks was by beating people on national TV and putting hoses on them to wake everybody else up in the world. That's what it was for. It was not a way of living. So people hate to hear, like, really hard truths, and we won't be able to sustain anything until people understand that if you don't make some kind of reform, then technically the same thing is going to keep happening over and over again. So defunding the police should happen. There's no way that the local police departments should be getting surplus military weapons. Because just like a kid on the street with a gun, a gun has one mission, and that's to be fired. And so if you have it, you are going to use it. That's why these play cops out here are, as soon as they get riot and get a chance to use that baton, they go hit somebody. They don't care if you are protesting or whatever, they're inciting the violence because yeah. it, it it affirms their mission to have all that riot gear on. Yeah, you're right about that, man. You, you know, you look at the, you know, I mean, it looks like these guys are in the streets of Iraq. That's definitely how, we're definitely going to have a conversation about the defunding of the police departments because I really and truly think it's a conversation that we have to have. 347-850-1272. As I continue this, I asked my, my, uh, my, my esteemed family members about does this movement, or is this a defining moment in history? That's what the focus will be this morning on this week's edition of In Four Minutes or Less, something that you need to know. We'll be back on the other side to talk about it. We're way over, folks. We're going to try to get it all in. we got the Chief coming up in the third set. 
It's a jam-packed show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this. The past week's protests have sometimes been met with heavy-handed police tactics, including beatings, tear gas, and rubber bullets. But we have also seen fleeting moments of unity and peace. So police have knelt or marched in solidarity with protesters to demand an end to police brutality. Were these merely symbolic gestures for public consumption or the start of something greater? NPR's Eric Westerfeld takes a look. University of Miami graduate student O'Shea Johnson had attended several protests against police abuse before, but he'd never organized one. That is, until George Floyd's death at the knees of Minneapolis police. Johnson and a friend posted a protest meetup flyer on Instagram, thinking a few dozen people might show up. Some 300 did. We were surprised, we were shocked. Here's Johnson on the bullhorn leading a recent march in Coral Gables, Florida. We want progress, we have to work. Yeah. And when the march landed at Coral Gables City Hall, Johnson was taken aback when more than a dozen police leaders quietly knelt with protesters in solidarity. Somebody in the crowd shouted, they need to kneel too. And then they knelt. And I like, my eyes stared up. It was this moment of, I'm with you, I feel your pain. And maybe, and even if not all of the chiefs felt that way, I think. It was a moment of humility, of humanity. I think that's what made it powerful. Several Miami-Dade County police leaders have now opened up a dialogue with protesters. Johnson says they want quarterly anti-bias training and countywide civilian oversight with subpoena power. But elsewhere, veteran activists see the take-a-knee police gestures as emotionally manipulative and largely meaningless. When the police take a knee, not only do I not take it seriously, it's disingenuous. Patrice Cullors is a Los Angeles-based activist who helped found the Black Lives Matter movement. We need radical shifts. We need transformation. These things don't happen through police taking a knee at protests and then right after they take a knee, getting up and tear gassing us and rubber boosting us and beating us with batons. In a few instances, the police gestures have gone beyond taking a knee. A powerful moment of police protester unity was when the sheriff of Genesee County, Michigan, told protesters his officers aren't like those four Minneapolis cops. Chris Watson took off his helmet, his officers put down their batons, and the sheriff addressed the crowd. I want to make this a parade, not a protest. Swanson then asked the crowd, tell us what you need us to do. Sheriff Swanson then walked with protesters. He believes that moment, for Flint, Michigan anyway, will prove to be a breakthrough. We can't just have a one night and then be done and go back to where it used to be and just continue to give empty promises. Sheriff Swanson has already met with reformers to start talking through what needs to change and how. And he's pledged to do that weekly. He hopes other departments do something similar. We need to reform modern-day policing like it's never been done before. Do we need to have a national registry of police discipline? That's a great idea. Do we need to have an overall advisory committee with the community for each agency? That's a great idea. Because if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. But George Floyd's death hasn't changed anything substantial about policing yet. And whether it does will depend on whether actions move beyond the familiar cycle of aspirational reforms, better training, screening, and oversight that have too often failed to stop some cops from humiliating, abusing, 
or killing minorities. Eric Westervelt, NPR News. quarterback referring to this Wednesday interview with Yahoo Finance. I will never agree with anybody um, disrespecting the flag of the United States of America. Breeze said players shouldn't protest police brutality and racial injustice during the national anthem. But after fierce backlash from fellow teammates and other athletes like LeBron James, Breeze posted this apology on Instagram, writing in part, I stand with the black community against systemic racial injustice and police brutality. I am sick about the way my comments were perceived yesterday, but I take full responsibility. It comes as some big NFL stars banded together to release a video about the Black Lives Matter movement overnight. What if I was George Floyd? If I was George Floyd? What if I was George Floyd? 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 Floyd. first apology, not good enough for some athletes like former player Booger McFarland, who appeared to mock him. I'm sorry for the way that America is crucifying me. I'm not sorry for what I said. Got it. New York Giants safety Jabril Peppers writing, No, we heard you the first time. Breeze, Thursday, clearly feeling he needed to say more. I wish I would have laid out what was on my heart in regards to the George Floyd murder, Ahmaud Arbery, the years and years of social injustice, police brutality, and the need for so much reform and change. One thing that I can vouch about Drew is his actions always follow his words. Free's teammate, linebacker Demario Davis, telling us overnight that he believes the apology is genuine and that Breeze is going to put in the work required. He's using his platform now and committing and saying, I'm going to do everything I can to fix it. Drew Breeze is an example to all of non-black America to be able to say, I missed the point. I can do more. I can listen better. I can do better. Well, I know we all miss sports, but my goodness, uh, man, we didn't think he'd come back in this way. Drew Brees apologizing for some insensitive comments that he made uh, during the whole during this past week of protests and people talking about equal justice for equal rights and 
you know, he made a comment, and this, this is something that really bothers me as a former military member, how people have twisted this whole thing into, well, if you take a knee during the protest, uh, during the uh, national anthem, during the NFL game, you're, you know, you're disrespecting the flag. It's ridiculous. But let's get this conversation started off. Let me start with you, Vanessa. Now, I know that uh, you've been on top of this. And so Drew Brees, which is a stand-up guy, listen, he, he has a, he has a, he owns some restaurants, and I saw him on one of these shows where he had actually given giving some of these African-Americans some, I mean, some scholarship money. I mean, the guy is a really stand-up guy. But he made a mistake. So the question is now is, will he be crucified for the rest of his career because of what he said? And education is the key. And it looks like people have come through and said, hey, Drew, you need to wake up and really understand what this is all about, which leads us back to the questions that we talked about or the things that we discussed during our first segment. So, Vanessa, what do you think about this whole situation? Have you been following it? And do you think what Drew Brees said in his apologies, including going against the president of the United States, because you know Trump had something to say about this, what do you think about this whole thing? First, let me say that, you know, I'm retired, so I follow all of it. Okay. So, I don't like where Trump came back and tweeted. Um, you mean the president? Our president? The uniter in chief? That guy? Number 45. I don't like yeah, that, that Trump came back and tweeted that he don't like his, that uh, Drew Brees retracted his statement. So, let me say this. When people show you who they are, you better believe them the first time. And so if he said that he did not like it, and now because his black friends and from all over are riding his back, now he feels like he needs to withdraw some of that. Let me tell you what the people on my board are saying, like Miss Terry. Hi, Miss Terry. I know you're listening. They're saying until they, the NFL apologizes to Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. directly to him. They will not forgive what Joe Green has said. They also feel, not me, but they also feel that somebody needs to try to give him a job. Now, I think they're going down a whole other avenue for right now with that. But I say let's start with apologizing that the NFL was co- they were incorrect as to their thoughts and defaming of this man's name and his character. And uh, Kim Neely, because Neely has absolutely nothing to do with that flag. And I have been posting that all week. One has nothing to do with the other. But because we just called out that Blue Breeze has donated money to this charity, that charity, and that charity, guess what? I don't care. I don't care how much money he's donated to a black anything, because all of it is a write-off, and he needs to anyway. Because that's who's buying his so the next thing here, yeah, let's go there. So I, me, me, but I know black people ain't going to do it. I would protest him. The Saints would not get any ratings from my TV show. I wouldn't buy another Drew Brees jersey. And I am on Facebook telling people, oh, my God, my jersey just got smaller and I can't fit it. you listen to the show today, and I'm talking about you, I'm going to say, don't you spend a dime in 2020 on Drew Brees memorabilia, nothing. Not one dime. Because he meant what he said about you as a black person. He meant that. And so, I, no, and let's go there real quick, Jay. Just like, uh, I almost called him a bad name. Zuckerberg, they didn't change his name on Facebook or something I can't say on the Sunday morning show. 
just because Thank he you. just donated ten million dollars to Black Lives Matter, just because they donated, he donated ten million dollars. I don't care. He can donate fifty million. Because guess what? He's giving Trump a hundred million for his existing reelection. So I don't care what he's giving Black Lives Matter. Because he's a racist too. And he's sitting on Facebook, fact checking everything that me and Les say. Everything that me and Les But he won't fact check. He won't fact check. But he won't fact check Trump. But they send in Les messages. Because we are telling the truth. As to what's going on, they'll put a little tag on our page, OBJ or something, to let us know they they watching our page. Guess what? I don't care. And I'm going to be the <laughs> Facebook political junkie. And oh yeah, Jay, you don't understand what me and Les go through. I understand that you say Miss Kathleen gets the intelligent, calm word. I don't care. You have no idea what me and Les go through on Facebook. Oh yeah, Facebook yeah, I do. I mean, yes, right. I do, because. Yes, yes, I do because I, I get all this stuff from people. I mean, so about our show. So I mean, I, I see it. It's, it's, you know, it is what it is. I don't care. I mean, that, that's, that's the price you pay. Yeah. But it's, and yeah. that's fine, and I'm gonna keep fighting that battle. But it's just so racial. It's so yeah. racial, and so I, you know what? Okay, so I'm gonna end it with this. I think yeah. all of this passing out money is a bunch of hooey. But if y'all want to pass it out and give it to the black organizations, do you? I'm going to still get on Facebook and talk about you and keep the black people's eyes open as to what it is that you're really doing. So I'm done wow. with that. Okay. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. All right. I'm going to get everybody's comments. We have the chief coming up, so I want to try to give him as much time as I need to give him. So let, let me see. Can I get some uh, abbreviated responses? Let me go to you, Kathleen. Uh, you know, you're a big football fan. I love the book that you wrote a few years back. Uh, so you can definitely relate to what we're talking about here. It, will this be a situation? And I wanted to say this for Jerome, but I'm pretty sure he'll respond when it respond when it when, when his when he's up at the mic. It, it, Drew Brees is going to experience the Michael Vick experience because I really and truly believe Drew Brees is a, is a stand up guy. But no one's going to ever forgive him for what he did. So now he's going to be wearing number seven for the Eagles and for the Atlanta Falcons because nobody forgives Michael Vick. Michael Vick has gone out of his way and then some to show that he made a mistake that killing those dogs. You know, was he should have stepped in. He has gone in front of Congress to speak about this. And there are people in this society that will not give this man, will not let him pass. So Drew Brees is about to go through that storm. So what do you make of Drew Brees' comments, his apologies, the fact that he went back at the president uh, when the president said, hey, you should have, you know, you should stand on your morals. What do you think about this whole situation? Um, I, I didn't catch what he said back to the president. What, uh, well, well let, me, let me read a little bit of it, what he said. He says, uh, through my ongoing conversations with friends and teammates and leaders in the black community, I realize that this is not an issue about the American flag. It has never been. We can no longer use the flag to turn people away or distract them from the real issues that face our black communities. We did this back in 2017, and regretfully, I brought it back with my comments last week. We must stop talking about the flag and shift our attention to the real issues of systematic racial injustice, economic oppression, police brutality and judicial and prison reform we are at a critical junction in our nation's history if not now then when we as a white community need to listen and learn from the pain and suffering of our black communities we must acknowledge the problems identify the solutions and then put this into action the black community cannot do this alone this will require all of us that was uh, drew Brees' response back to the president when he said hey you need to stand firm on your original okay. comments what say you okay 
I think I think Olivia Pope wrote that for him, and it was brilliantly written written uh, by Drew. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't see the connection between Drew Brees and Michael Vick, and here's why: because okay. Michael Vick and Colin Kaepernick had the um, the weight the knee of America on their neck. And they were removed predominantly by the white influences in the world, the powers that be in sports, the dollars and everything else was stripped by them. And, of course, Michael Vick went through work. Drew Brees will get some criticism from the black community, but do we really, you know, where is he being removed from his position? Uh, where is it that, you know, everyone's standing up and saying, well, no, you'll not only not get a job where you are, but you'll never get another job in the NFL because of some state, because of this statement that you made supporting black lives. The, the criticism that he's getting for apologizing is from the president and the uh conservative, racist, bigoted, whatever, or folks that just don't get it about athletes having the right to protest the uh, the killing and racist tactics of America against black people, not just athletes in America. And they want them to just entertain me, boy. Don't speak or think about anything. And if you do, don't do it at a time where I am forced to listen to it or my consciousness is forced to be challenged of, or my racism is forced to be challenged by watching you. All I want to do is see you. All I want to do is watch you catch a football and entertain me. That's it. That's your job. Don't think. Don't act. Don't do anything that makes me have to deal with racism in America because I don't want to think about that. It doesn't impact me. I don't care. I hired you. Do a job. Be glad I'm paying you. And basically, that's it. So we are we have reduced our athletes and tried to tell them that they don't have a brain. And even if they have a brain, don't you dare bring it out into the forefront where I have to be troubled by your nonsense. That's what they did to Colin Kaepernick. And I do agree that the NFL owes him much, an apology, reparations to the entire African-American community. You know, I I really do think that they have to make this right by making it right with Colin Kaepernick. Because I dare say that had we listened to Colin Kaepernick, had had the NFL corrected their position, had they taken time to really listen and understand what was happening in the black community with black lives when Colin was doing this, that maybe George Floyd would be alive today. Wow, that's a powerful statement there. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. The NFL has pledged at least forty million dollars towards African American communities. The NFL now is saying that they were wrong, Johnny D, in uh, the protests, not allowing p- players to peacefully peacefully protest. So I imagine that you're going to see a lot of that coming up whenever the NFL gets back on the field. We haven't heard from any of the owners just yet, and I'm wondering what they're thinking. Uh, but uh, you know, a powerful statement by Roger Goodell saying, "Hey, we get it. A lot of people are saying we see what's happening." 
happening. We get it. And the reason why I made the the analogy between Drew Brees and you know, Michael Vick, because even though Michael Vick wasn't blackballed, the Philadelphia Eagles did give him an opportunity to resurrect his career, and he went on to play for your uh, black, for your black and gold team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, the bottom line is, is that Michael Vick's heart was good when he came back. He really meant what he said. And I remember when uh, his family adopted a dog, and people went off. You know, no matter what he does, no matter what he say, people are going to always associate him with dog killing. And the, what I was saying, the parallels between him and Drew Brees, I do believe Drew Brees is a stand-up guy. I've been following Drew Brees for a long time. And I think that he was just blindfolded by the American flag. He bought into this whole thing that by kneeling, you're disrespecting the American flag. He never said anything about black people. He just said he didn't think you should have the ability to protest on the field about that. But he's done a lot to help African-Americans with some of the things he's done. But, you know, we talk about this on the show all the time. You know, there was, the reason why Colin Kaepernick took a knee was because the long snapper that used to be for the, he used to play for the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks said, look, man, he was a veteran. He said, look, tell you what, the best way to do this is to take a knee. That's what we do when we have fallen comrades in the field. So he adapted what that guy said, and then he was crucified for that. So what are your thoughts on this, Johnny D, this whole thing with Drew Brees? And we got to, yeah, we, we, I don't want to make sure, you, you want to get brief response yeah, from everybody, yeah. we, we're really okay. running out of time, so, anyway. Yeah, and I tell you what, I, I will be I will be as brief as I possibly can in this subject matter. Uh, although I, I, I don't necessarily agree with, with how people in, in, in America has tried to equate the the taking of the knee, the, the American flag and correlate that with disrespecting soldiers. Uh, that has, you know, nothing to do with it. Uh, the comparison with Michael Vick and Drew Brees, Drew Brees still has the luxury of being a, a, a Caucasian male, so his, yep. his, he will never be treated in the likeness of, of Michael Vick nor Colin Capney as far as being disbanded from a league and, and, and Michael Vick yeah. still having to deal with the issues that, that he has. I will agree with you that if you follow Drew Brees and, you know, being a, a, a avid football fan, um, this guy has done a great deal for all communities and that includes the African American community. To be quite honest with you, uh, I'm gonna respect the fact of what his initial comments were. I think he has the right to say what he what he chooses to say, he did not equate that to, you know, any type of movement that would deter the progression of African Americans. So I respect the fact that that, that, that he said what he said. Now, as far as re- retracting the comments and stuff, if he felt compelled to do so, then that's totally on him, you know. But for him to have the right to say it, then I'm going to respect that. Uh, clearly, I think as, as we've gotten into some of the more social issues, it is it it is interesting in regards to you know and, and I've been and I've been thinking about it all week you know uh, being a, a a a a black man in America and I'm not talking about mulatto black I'm talking about black black so for fifty some odd years and then also being part of the public safety community it it is it's interesting in regards to how I have to not necessarily split my decision but also have to give lend itself to the diversities and the input of everyone because I see 
good officers out there sacrificing their lives and their families, both black, white, Asian, Hispanic, and then to, to, to hear some of the, the, the commentaries of American as if everybody in the law enforcement and public safety has some apologies that we have to make, but there's victims out there. So, you know, from, from that perspective, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll cut it, but I do respect the fact of him having the right to say what he says, whether I agree with it or not, it, 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 it's solely in, in, in person's perspective, but Drew Brees has done a great deal and if he decided that he was going to retract the comment and apologize and try to make amends, fine. Roger Goodell is simply trying to sell a product, okay? If Roger Goodell wanted to be forthright, Roger Goodell would have stood firm several years ago when the owners literally blackballed a man out of the league and then had to pay him, had to pay him and both Eric Reed uh, in, in regards to keeping them out of the league. So, you know, he can come back four years later now in this great social movement and say that they're going to play it just right here, but he's just simply trying to sell a product. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that uh, there's some BS right there. All right, Jerome, let me get your comments on this, man. What do you think, man? I know that uh, I was always interested when I heard, you know, anytime there's a big, big story, and this is what definitely wasn't the biggest story of the week, but, you know, obviously for a nation that's starved for sports, anything that uh, lights that fire gets people's attention. What do you think about what Drew Brees said, man, and uh, his response and, you know, moving forward from here? What do you think? Okay, you know, I, I was going to defer this response to, to LES. I think it's going to be about the same. I don't give a damn about Drew Brees. I know it's Sunday. We need to really, really stop forgiving white folks for making gestures towards us that that's coming from their heart. That is foul. Yep. That is what we do. That, that gene of Solomon, the compassion in black people, allow us to, be, to have colonizers around us to begin with. We're constantly forgiving them no matter what the hell they do to us. And the issue is, well, is that Drew B. says something. He hangs out with Trump. He kept that line doing all of what Kaepernick, mm. Kaepernick did. The NFL yeah. is even coming back because they're looking at numbers like, hey, 70% of our players might be black, so we might want to be careful because that movement mm. has gone upon us. And it's a, it's a business move more than it is a political statement. But we want to forgive them as if they received or got some type of content. Super E saw that pressure that came down on him when he did that. Now is not the time for you to be waving your white power flag. That's why you're looking at these rallies protests out here. And they're like, oh, they're peaceful. You know why they're peaceful now? And there's no rioting? Because the, the neo-Nazi... Um, KKK Proud Boy Foods cannot mix themselves in those crowds without their asses getting called out. Early mm. on in the protest, it's easier for them to infiltrate that and to throw, you know, Molotov cocktails and all that stuff at the police to egg this stuff on. Right now, it's too many people. They can't do that. So don't start forgiving people just because the pressure is there, the light is on them. Because once it becomes neutral again, all them white folks are going to fall back into place and be like, well, y'all had y'all say and now it's time for us to move on. We're going to have a segment like that next week on this damn program. We always do that same stuff. So I, I am not the one to sit there and, and, and act like sports is the biggest thing in life that we need to be paying attention to. And I don't give a damn about Drew Brees or damn Tom Brady. Them dudes work around black people. And the angrier that those black people are around him, the more, um, the, the less comfort he's going to have. 
right? So he did that for his own self-preservation and survival. Ask him. There you go. And there he is, guys. And he has held the, he has that title again, the most hated tech guy on the serious <laughs> side. Hold it up, Jerome. Where? Put a tattoo on your arm. It's silly ass, man. That's a drop the mic moment. But I tell you what, you got to follow it up, man. We'll let you close out the set, man. Your final thoughts on this. And by the way, for those who are listening, we are way over. Coming up next, the Chief. It's going to be an abbreviated show. But, you know, hey, listen, you know us. We, we're going to bring it to you. We're going to tell you how we feel. I think that's the reason why people love us. And uh, we're going to let you have it. We're going to tell you the truth. But still, Yes, man, that's a drop the mic moment, brother. But the, but it's on you, man. You got to follow that up. Final, give me your final thought on this before we move on. Well, let's, let's talk about the hypocrisy of what Drew Brees said. Because in 2017, he did kneel in the game. He did kneel. There's, you know, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah, he, he sure did. did. So where's the hypocrisy? Wow. Let's talk about the hypocrisy there. And then what about that clown, that clown ass woman on on Fox News that told uh, uh, LeBron James? Lori Ingram, shut up and shut dribble. Up and dribble. Just dribble. Yeah. yeah. Now she's telling Drew Brees, hey, you got the right to do what you want to. You want to talk about white yeah. supremacy and white privilege? Let, let, let's bring it all home with that, man. So I, what Drew Brees said, he meant it from his heart, man, because he's knelt before. So why are you saying that now? Why are you yeah. saying it now, but you did it before? Come on, man, stop. Yeah. Stop. You, you did what you yeah. did with that. I'm, I'm done with it at that point in time. So he, he, he knelt before, he, he's not going to do it anymore. I did it once, but I won't do it again. <laughs> Wow. Mm-hmm. You, guys are, you guys are, I tell you what, it's nothing but the truth going on around here, folks. All right, 347-850-1277. I wanted to do it uh, after the break, but since we're over, I had a good question. Um, and I actually tested it with some people yesterday. And it's like, oh, Jay, you got to ask the question. We're not going to have time this morning. We'll do it next week because it will still be prevalent. So after the break, we'll come back next week. We're so far over, and I definitely want to get the chief in. So coming up next, Chief Hobson. We're going to talk to him about uh, what's going on in society today. We're going to ask him more questions. I think he may have some follow-up responses to some of the things that people, some of our colleagues have said on the show. So we'll be right back after this. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rouse Show. Don't go anywhere, folks. Once again, our shows from this point forward will be dedicated to all those people who have lost their lives to the hands of police brutality. I want to say to all the mothers out there, we are on your side. We get it, we understand it, and we love you. Continue to listen. We'll be right back. Please, allow me to show you something. Somebody give me, somebody tell me the answer, me you isn't the answer, me you isn't, maybe I'm telling myself that, but there ain't nothing that'll change that, what good would it be, if I knew how you felt about me, yeah. it could've been right, but I was wrong, only think about you and you. We could have been, we could have been 
night in Miami First time you put your arms around me I'm up reminiscing Thinking about you isn't helping Thinking about you doesn't tell me What good you would do If I decide to face the truth It could have been like a Think about you when you're home. You only hit me up when she's not home, and that's why I can't get caught up. We could have been, and we try to pretend every time and again. We don't dream about, don't think about what we could have been. We're holding it in, 'cause I know in the end you dream about. I think about what. We could have been, we could have been, we could have
You know you're going to go to church. Everybody knows the routine, Vanessa. Everybody knows the routine. Wow. Love you too, girlfriend. Go pray for this country too. So anyway. Please do. I'm here. I love y'all. We love you too. What's going on, Kathleen? Good morning. How you doing? Um, I am doing great, thank you. Uh, can you hear me okay with these headphones on? I just switched the headphones. Yeah, 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 that's fine. It sounds good. Yeah. It's, it's a little muffy, but it sounds good. We can hear what you're saying, absolutely. Well, good uh, morning. I How are you? And I want to just say that I'm so uh, I'm so jealous that Vanessa gets to go to church. I, I have to turn on Zoom to get some church action up here in New York, but go after it, Vanessa. <laughs> Pray for that. Pray you. for us all. Oh, yeah. Get some, get some oil on there, girl. <laughs> get some oil. Oh, man, this nation needs oil. I tell you what, on all the four heads running around across America. All right, uh, the educated brothers in the house, Mr. Johnny D in the place. Good, good morning, John. How you doing, brother? Good morning. Bless. Bless. Yeah. Man, that's look at it. Yeah, good morning, bless. I like that. Smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome is free. What's going on, man? Uh, you triggered a response from the pastor, man. I can't wait to read it. What's going on, uh, Jerome? Good morning. Well, I can wait for you to read it, but I'm doing good. These are. <laughs> no, you can't. I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read it. All right. Uh, <laughs> and the man who gets the first and last word here in the series, not the one and only, Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, good morning, sir. Good morning, Jerome. Good morning, Hawk. And good morning, Kathleen. Good morning, Nessa. All right, Mr. Elias, as usual, can we say hello to some people in the chat room, or is it open, or what's going on? Yeah, yeah, it's open. We got uh, Covina Man and an Easy Rider, and uh, Marion Anisha, in case you didn't know, that was could have been by her featuring Washington Tillery. That boy's on top of it. I, you know, I can't wait till you drop the ball on that one time. It should be mad at you. I want to say what's up to a lot of people as well. Now, once again, we're doing an abbreviated show this morning, so I'm not going to read all the comments from Chatterbox, but I am going to read two, and uh, I'll do that coming up next. But before, but, but like I mentioned at the top of the show, we have one. I want to bring in the police chief, uh, James Hobson. He's in the San Antonio area. To bring him in uh, because of what's been going on across the nation, uh, it's always good to get a law enforcement perspective, especially an African American law officer or peace officer's perspective on what's going on. Let's bring the chief in. Good morning, chief. How you doing this morning? Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How you doing, Jay Ryle? How you doing, Les and others? How y'all doing this morning? Doing well, hey. chief. Glad good you morning. Can, How are glad you? Glad that you can join us this morning. Absolutely good, glad you're here. Good. All right, so let's uh, let's go ahead. Uh, let, let's get the conversation started because I know we we're, we're, I'm going to give you at least 15 minutes here. So let's talk about uh, first of all, what do you think when you look at what's been happening in the past week? It's been a week since we talked to you last. Give me your thoughts on you know what's been going on. What do you think about the movement? You know, just give me your give me give me your perspective on what you think what's been going on in the past seven days or so since we last spoke. Well, as a man in blue and being a black man, it's like a double-edged sword. You know what I mean? There's yep. no leaders that I've worked for or any of my friends ever say, hey, you all right? How you doing? You know, everybody still think the police is tough. And, you know, people still think we're wrong. And some of us are. And here's the problem that society don't fall, that falls into society right now. So Minnesota talked to the mayor. The mayor declined to... Reduce funds for the police department. And so he got booed in front of his own house because he didn't want to abolish the police department either. You're going to still need the police. We just need the right police. 
policing is an art, and not only that, it's a passion. You've got to have a passion for the job. I grew up in probably the roughest cities in the United States, and my passion always been I want the police officer to make a change, especially in all the communities, but really in my own black community. Because as I grew up, only thing that policed us was white people. Didn't even live in our city, but they were our police. So did they really care about our city? I would beg the difference and say not. So I dedicated my life to do that. To be a leader, you know, you got to have integrity. You got to be dedicated, good communication, self-awareness, gratitude. You got to influence, and then you got to be also smart to understand that there's our rules and regulations out there for us as government, but then there's common sense also and how to take care of the people that we get paid to take care of and what we're in charge of. That's the part that policing that we have today don't exist, except for maybe, you know, everybody want to go to act to the situation. And I'm just amazed and really happy that this movement having triggered any of these guys to do that as they did in the past. So they're just telling us that as Americans, we are coming together on an unfortunate incident with Mr. Floyd. The police has a problem in the United States for two reasons. There's a chief of police, and then there's a police chief. As you know, you don't have to be a policeman to be the chief of police, which means there's a leader and there's a manager. There's a lot of places that has a manager. In other words, this guy is a financial wizard in budgeting, et cetera. And so he is chosen by a mayor or a city manager to be the chief of police for those individuals to manage their budgets and order their equipment. Then you have police chief who actually went through the ranks and understand policing in some of your communities. So that's the difference in the two. And so you can have a good leader, but he may not be a good manager, but you can have a manager that's not a leader. That's the problem we have with policing, which we need to change. So let, let me ask you this. So when nah, you, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I mean, wow, I'm sitting there thinking, wow. It, it, that's why it took me a second. Whoa, what? I mean, didn't know that. So, so, but let me ask you this, Chief. Uh, when you look at, matter of fact, let me do this, John. Johnny, you know, you, you're in this community. I want to give you an opportunity to, to ask the chief. If you have a question for the chief, let me give you an opportunity because I, I wanted to hear an interaction between the two you guys anyway. So, John, the mic's yours. Do you have any questions or anything you want to share with the chief? No, you know, I, I, I will certainly uh, parallel, you know, my, my, my experiences with, with, with the chief. Um, now his his analogy and how he broke that down as far as police chief chief of police that was interesting but but certainly it has value in me but but that 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 constant struggle that that he that he depicted in regards to community um, and then perception you know it's something that that we toy with every single day and there is a balance you know I, I remember when I first came into the public safety community, and I and and it was a notorious individual within within that community, and and I remember him telling me at that time, he said, you know, you are a rule follower and you and, and, and you're tough, but we need people like you, and and I never forget that, okay? 
I never forget that. I never forget the charge that my father gave me because, you know, his father did a, a, a life sentence in prison. And I never forget him telling me, treat a man like a man. So those are those values that have been instilled in me that right. make me go out and be the public servant that I am. And then you couple well, that with my spirituality and my faith and my desire to treat everybody as an equal. I think there's more people out there in the law enforcement community and public safety who feel more like inclined to do that than the rogue officers that you see. Um, and I know Chief, uh, like I say, he seems to be real astute. He's been a leader at that level for a long period of time. So, you know, he probably remembers that report back in 2006 where the FBI concluded that at that time you had surveys and supremacist groups, you know, incorporating themselves into law enforcement. So my point being, and, and certainly, Chief, uh, I ask that you expound on it, and then I'll, I'll step out of this segue so that you can have your voice heard. Inclusiveness, it, it makes change. If you look at the last 55 years, and, I, and last week I went back to Marcus Bray and the watch ride, and I compared it to what we were doing today and what type of changes. The persons who have made the demographics, the persons who have made the most significant change that I've seen in my lifetime have been women, okay? Because what women went from that perception of being June Cleaver, for those who remember, you know, Leave it to Beaver, that, that typical housewife, you know, they got involved. They started including themselves. You know, it was no longer about, you know, being 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 one that's yeah, they still protest and, and you saw that during, you know, the the, the two thousand and sixteen election. But yeah. what they did, they said, you know what, we're gonna do more than just talk about it. We're gonna do more than just, you know, burn bras and, 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 and complain. We're gonna become inclusive in the same communities that we feel like right. are, are, are are giving us the disparity. You got more yeah. Uh, females that are, are active in law enforcement. You look at the political. We just talked about that in November 2018. The females yeah. just overwhelmingly took over politics. So, you know, they, that's they what did. I'm they, saying about African Americans. If, if we want to change, if we want to true change, we got to be inclusive yeah. in the judicial system, the law enforcement system, the legislature. If, if we want better yeah. medical care, then guess what? We got to we got to promote to our young minds Absolutely. and stuff and keep them in school so that they can become doctors and lawyers and, and, and anything that we that we have decided yeah. that we've got a disparity to, we got to be inclusive right. in that. And and again, I, you know, Chief, respect what you do and I appreciate it. Love to meet you one day when, uh, hopefully next year when this pandemic uh, is concluded. I, I plan to come and visit uh, Jay and Miss Vanessa in, in, in Houston, uh, my family and I, and I hope I get a chance to run into you, but I do want to hear what you have to say and Again, thank you for your service. Chief? Well, oh, thank you very much. So, what we look at as a black person or as a black police, there's things that's just never good enough compared to our our white colleagues, right? No matter what your education level is, sometimes, no matter exactly how much more advanced you are, sometimes it's just not good enough, right? And a lot of people feel that in a lot of different fields, medical fields, a lot of other fields. You can bust your butt, work twice as hard, and you're still not going to be 100% equal. Due to this 
pandemic that's going on, what happened here last week with the police just looking in the camera, don't caring about anything, that proves that even today in 2020, we still not looked at as equal, or even close to that, that you can just kill a man on national camera without no problem and look at it and don't even care. If a guy tell you from a police perspective and somebody tells me I get in my custody and say, I don't feel well, he could have been shot 20 of my police officers, we still got to rush him to the hospital. Doesn't matter. That didn't take place. Rookies, 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 rookies. You know, we run rookies through academy for a reason, to understand what policing is. And then we give them a field training officer to see if they understood what they were taught in the academy. By being a leader, and that police chief, sorry to say that about him, he didn't go out and check on his field officers to see if those field officers actually training his rookies to the standard that need to be that need to be taught for them to have the passion to go work their job and serve their community. Because if that did happen, he wouldn't have been a field training officer. A field training officer never had complaints that brought against him about the community, especially 17-plus complaints saying, hey, this guy should not be a training officer. He did not know what he's doing due to the fact, look at all these complaints he got. That wasn't what he said. As a rookie, though, these guys, and I give them no excuse because they understood policing, just getting out of the academy, even just being on the ship three days, he had no opportunity to get a bad habit. So he had, he know the goals, whether we're police or not. If a man is being, or a woman, is not being treated properly in their custody, he's supposed to stand up and fight for that individual. That's the purpose he was hired. Doesn't matter if it's a police on the other end or a criminal on the other end, he knew the reason why he was hired. I hold him to more standards than probably a field training officer because he just got out of academy with all those facts instilled in him. How to police. Hmm. So he should be doing the bring that up. Let me ask you something, and this is something I've been thinking about. And I wanted to ask you now because you know we look at people, we look at police officers as police officers. You know, the bottom line is that we know that there's racial bias that goes on within the ranks. Think about it. There's only been one police officer in Minnesota that's been uh, convicted of killing an, an unarmed citizen. And guess what? It was a black officer killing a white woman. So my question to you is, do your black officers come up to you and, and you know, maybe in a moment of, uh, you know, sensitivity, or you guys are by yourselves, and they, they express to you their displeasure with their white counterparts? I mean, how do you handle that? Because, look, as, like you said, as an African-American, we're African-American. People always talk about how black folks, how, you know, if you go into a room full of strangers and you meet black folk and we just gravitate and we talk because we have so many commonalities. We talk about things common to black people. So there is this alliance with us. Even if we don't know each other, there's that natural bond. That has to be going on within the police ranks, right? So how do you deal with those types of issues when you have black officers saying, you know what, i got to go out here and stay on perimeter on some mess that I strongly disagree with. How do you deal with situations like that, Chief? Well, as I, said, as I stated before, you have leadership and you have management. And management don't go out and check. Management just put out guidelines and, hey, you wouldn't know the guidelines, we're not budget, we don't care. Leader has to go out there 
and lead. In other words, I go lead by example. I don't let my department surrogate themselves between blacks, browns, and whites. I make sure they're going to patrol their split. We just don't let all the blacks go on patrol over here, all the browns go on patrol over here, and all the whites go on patrol over here. We mix them up. And then we try to police ourselves as I tell them all, you give them all freedom of speech without hollering about whistleblowing, that they're going to you know, be targeted different. If they feel they partner saying something that's not correct, they speak up. Whether they send in an email, whether they put in a suggestion box, and we have another thing called ICE where we put all our complaints in that in a system that uh, you don't have to know who's other person on the other end, so it's anonymous. So we do all those things to try to police ourselves also. The shield and the badge is a symbol that we cannot have a bad day. I mean, that's, we, we asked for this job. It wasn't just like when we joined the military. We wasn't forced. We asked to go, right? And with that, you've got to treat everyone with dignity and respect. It, it doesn't matter the different color of your skin. And I like what the other gentleman said about a woman. Woman leads the way, and woman is both. They're good leaders and they managers, and they start that in the household. Where the upbringing coming from? Our pops didn't raise us a whole lot due to the fact why. He's at work. Who's at home with us all day? Mom is, right? So that's the leader. That's the manager. Who managed the money and the bills most of the time? Dad used to give my mom all the money, take care of everything. So are they great leaders? Yes, because they understand both sides of the house where a lot of men just don't. They do got compassion, too. They can make great police chiefs. They can they can bring the community a lot of joy if they got a chance. But they got the same problem we got, and it's double. If they're black and they're female, they have it double harder than we do, as we have it hard ourselves. So as you look at trying to get equal, hopefully maybe it'll happen during our kids' time. Maybe we'll see a little bit more of it, but it is a struggle. And that's what people in blue don't understand that we have to take care of everybody 100%, whether you're an innocent bystander or whether you're a criminal. You all have the same rights, and that's why we have a court of law. Mm. And we have to go with that in ourselves and have that passion and police ourselves and say, hey, today when you go out, you need to do this. And somebody will probably come by and check on you. You know, the police have got a guy to ride around too and check on check on his troops and see what they're doing in the community. And then talk to the community and ask them, hey, how are policing going? You know, I very seldom see police chiefs do that anymore on TV or whatever. Hey, call this number and tell us how policing is going. Tell us what you think. You know, we don't want to hear what's bad among ourselves. You know, men in blue die every day for you guys. That happens. Those are the good ones. They out there fighting the fight with you, and they're doing what they got paid to do. But you have a large percent that does not. And so, if we want to reform police departments, cutting budgets or getting rid of police departments is not the answer. The answer is maybe you need more individuals coming in and look at the police department and go through each individual and say, okay, do we have the right leaders in place right now? How is the training officer? Those are the things we need to reform. Wow, uh, powerful words from the from the chief. 
Uh, Chief, I hope that uh, every now and then you check in with us. I think that uh, some of the things you say, it's always good, I think, to get the perspective of a black law enforcement officer, especially someone that's at the top. It's always good to hear their perspective about things. Listen, I want you to be safe out there, man. I appreciate you spending some time with us this morning, uh, you know, and just come on back. We'd love to get you in. And, you know, you don't have to come in and talk about, you know, police stuff. You can you talk go. about anything. Absolutely. Go ahead, Jerome. You know, I, I want to say this, and I know I, I don't disagree with you guys. We're all kind of have the same goals, like the same overall goal is always the same. And you know, I know a ton of police officers. I don't know if Jay told you tell told you what I do for a living or anything, but I can tell you this: when we talk about changing the culture of the police department, and for black people to do that, there's still military structures, and they don't like to change. Right, and so I understand the issue with not only reforming a police department and how it relates to another community, but the pushback that you're going to get in there. Right, it's just like being in any other military off, uh, you know, um, organization. The uh, the commands come from the top, but sometimes the bottom ranking folks don't listen. But you end up protecting them anyway. We are talking about overhauling the police department across the board on how they operate. You're not supposed to be a military function because, you know, you do have SWAT and other tactical teams that you can put together for that. So when you have a lone police officer making decisions on life and death, I mean, they're not certified paralegals, but a policeman will tell you in a minute, oh, you broke the law or you did this, where we know that the DA is the person who brings the charges, not the police officer. So you got a lot of discretionary um, um, value in what the police do and they're using that to um, to oppress people, so it needs to change. So I, I can think of three police chiefs that I know, three black police chiefs that I know. And I remember one of them was having some problems in in the area, and I said to him when he first got there, I said, "Did you change your secretary?" He said, "No," because his question was. Oh, I never heard about that incident happen, and I didn't hear about this incident happen. So I got him alone, and he and I had a conversation, and I said to him, change your secretary, because what's going on is your deputy chiefs are not letting that information roll up to you. And if the secretary is the chief before you, um, secretary, they're actually making those decisions before they give you any information. And he said, I never thought about changing them. And I said, nobody really does. So when it comes to politics and and political situations, you need to understand how the structure works first to even change it. Another police chief, I remember when a a gun got stolen out of his car. And he said to me, hey, it was a police car. Nobody has any keys. I have a key, and there's a key at the station. The gun never showed up. They sold a belt, and you know those belts have panic buttons. And what happened is that that gun showed up on a crime scene. I said, yeah, that is your internal police force trying to disqualify you as a black man from being police chief. But I understand the pressure that you guys are under, but you cannot sell that back to the general public on how we need to be law-abiding inside of that structure. We need to support you in making reforms. But now is not the time for us to tell everybody to be patient with the police department and there's some good officers because what happens is that you neutralize the energy that force politicians to change policy 
So let them change the policy to help you out as a police officer because you know that if you tell on a bad police officer in your department, the rest of your officers shun you. So you do need an outside force to even help you do your job. And, and that's why I started off by saying that we're all kind of on the same team, but you have to let this happen. Stop telling people to calm down in situations where we know that that's the only way that policy and politics moves generally is for there to ha- have some kind of pressure to do it. Politicians will not change laws if there's no pressure. And that's all we're in. We're in a moment to change a paradigm. So stop trying to people calm people down to put them back in the same box that they were in before this happened. But we just need to be conscious about it. So nobody's disagreeing. It's just two different conversations. So I don't want the listeners to get confused on the two conversations that we're having. But there are real things of what you guys are saying that we need to look at and we need to do. But in this moment, we need to pressure policy change. So defunding the the police department is a matter of understanding that those surplus military weapons that are going to police departments for patrolmen are not necessary. When you need to bring in tactical things, that's different. But you don't need to have some rookie having the power to kill everybody every time they stop and don't like the way somebody talks to them. They shouldn't be a police officer, like Governor Cuomo said. If you can't handle it, get another job. We need to be that blunt about what we need our police force to do and what we need to do when it comes to policing. I know everybody says everything's a tough job. Teachers have tough jobs. People pick up trash have tough jobs. But you know that we need to focus on the bigger picture and not um, use anecdotal um, examples to why we need to be able to kill somebody at a drop of a dime. All right, let me jump in here because we're really over. Uh, Chief, let me give you an opportunity to respond, and then we're, what we're going to do is, folks, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. We are over. We're going to, uh, after the Chief responds, we're going to take a break. Uh, I think we're going to have to, Jerome, we can do overtime with you with the news. Um, and um, and I want to read, I definitely have two comments I want to read from the listeners. We're not going to be able to do chatter box as well. So, Chief, go ahead and respond, and we'll, we'll kind of figure it out as we go. Go ahead and respond if you like uh, to what my no, colleague no, just uh, no, said. So he has a point, and we have to look at something else, though. We have to arm the police because they're theoretically not a SWAT team anymore when you look at the way criminal activity is taking place right now. I don't have time to put together my SWAT team fast enough to get to a person that has uh, 10,000 rounds an AK-47 shoot into the population or into a crowd that quick. That officer, that's the patrolman on the ground, has to be able to engage that individual to stop people from being killed. Lock their guns in their trunk. We're not saying do don't have it. Pistol. Well, I, Drew, I don't want to let, let me finish. I want to, I want to, I want to go back and forth here. But you're, 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 you let him finish. Let him finish his comment, and then we'll. we'll I want to let him finish the comment so we can go, and and then in that way we can we can finish debating this after. But the issue is he has to be trained properly. So the issue is he has to be trained properly. You got to have the right people on the ground, and that's you know you get what you pay for. I'm always going to tell you that. If you pay twenty thousand dollars for a person to 
put his life on the line, you're going to get that type of person that don't know exactly what they're doing or don't care. They're just there just to, you know, get a paycheck like everybody else because there's minimum wage or whatever. So you get what you pay for. You have to know in our academy what our problem is sometimes. We don't know what we're hiring. We may do a background check. We may do the psyche valve. But we're not looking or maybe asking the tough questions. What's the real reason you want to be a police officer? What's the real reason you want to be here and take care of this public? Why you want to put your life on the line? Those are the questions I don't think we ask all the time. Because if we did, those rookies would have never let this happen. And we wouldn't be talking about this today. Because those rookies would have understood the policing and that they, could, that they partners were wrong and they would have stopped it immediately. So that's our All right, problem. Chief. Well, is what we have. All right. Okay. Well, listen, Chief. I, I appreciate you coming, man. I thank you so much for stopping by. And I tell you what, there's never enough time in the show to to really to, to go after things. I mean, we could debate. I mean, because one of the the concepts of this show has always been friends getting together and talking. And you know, friends can talk for hours. But I appreciate you. Uh, I'm gonna uh, ask you to come back, and uh, we can definitely definitely when we start talking about defunding police. Want to get your perspective on that? It's always good to, to to get an inside voice. So, man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your Sunday to be here, uh, folks. We're gonna step out, take a real quick break. We'll be right back on the other side. You listen to the serious side. Thank you for having me. Being an African American is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful blessing. You have come from great people, but it's also a hard thing in America. Because of your skin color, as a black boy and as a black man, we are going to be dealing with a lot of danger. Under no circumstance are you to talk to the police if you're arrested until I get there. Do what they say. Don't get into any arguments. Make sure your hands are out of your pockets so they can see. These are the questions you can ask. This is who to call. This is this is what happens if this bad thing Thing. It's not like, please, master, don't whip me. No, it's like, excuse me, sir, what is your badge number? I'm going to film this. If you want police brutality to stop, if you want police to treat you like a human being, then you, you have to see yourself as a human being. You have every right in this world that anyone else does. What I love about you as my son is I remember when we thought about having you and you know knowing that we wanted you and watching you grow you are the Muhammad Ali you are the Malcolm X you are the Martin Luther King you are an amazing young man and the future is yours and I will do my best to make sure you're safe I love you this message is dedicated to family members who have lost unarmed sons and daughters to the police you are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Support for NPR and the following message come from DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo believes getting privacy online should be simple. With one download, you can search and browse privately, avoiding trackers. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Tropical Storm Cristobal is expected to make landfall in Louisiana by tonight. Louisiana is under a state of emergency. 
NPR's Amy Held reports a storm is still over the Gulf of Mexico, but has already spawned a tornado in Florida. Cleanup is underway in Orlando after a tornado swept downtown, taking down tree limbs and power lines and narrowly missing a group of protesters. No injuries were reported. The National Weather Service says Cristobal could spawn more tornadoes in the region. It's strengthening as it continues to make its way toward landfall in Louisiana. Evacuation orders have already been issued in several parishes. The storm could bring up to a foot of rain and flooding. Parts of coastal Florida, Mississippi, and Louisiana could see dangerous storm surge. The storm is forecast to weaken early in the week as it moves northward into Arkansas and Missouri. Amy Health, NPR News. China released a 66-page report today on the nation's response to the coronavirus pandemic defending Beijing and urging global cooperation. The Trump administration has accused China of a lack of transparency, but Chinese health officials say they provided information in a timely and transparent manner. Meanwhile, Republican Senator Rick Scott told the BBC today that the U.S. has evidence that China is trying to slow down or sabotage the development of the vaccine. He declined to provide details. The FBI working with local investigators following the killing of a law enforcement officer and the wounding of two others in Northern California. Authorities say they were ambushed by gunfire and explosives. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News. All right, folks, welcome back in. 347-850-1272. Man, what a passionate show this morning. Uh, man, we appreciate everybody. We appreciate the Chief for stepping in. And, uh, woo, I'll tell you what, there's never enough time. So it's time for our uh, final thoughts. And uh, ladies are first around here. So, uh, Vanessa, I mean, uh, Kathleen, final thoughts? Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um these are final, final thoughts, right? Okay, so we're going towards the yeah, end yeah, of the yeah. show. Uh, one of the yeah. things that I, I didn't get a chance to uh, highlight, uh, I, I think Johnny was talking about it. He brought up more of what I wanted to say about why this moment is different and, and why people are responding uh, differently than they have in the past. Most of the, with the exception of Eric Garner, who died also as a result of a toehold. Um, This gentleman, George Floyd, when he was murdered, we watched this officer also callously, but for eight minutes and 46 seconds, literally lynched this man in in broad daylight in front of people yelling to him that this was killing this man. You know, yes, and, and I, I was so happy when Johnny mentioned that he was calling out to his dead, his dead mother, and and people standing there, as we call it in the law, ordinary, reasonable people, were able to see that this was going to result in this man's death. And I am so happy about the police chief offering us the information about the rookies because that's exactly what I felt, without knowing how training is done. That's exactly how I felt. You knew better. You knew it was wrong, and your instinct to stop a, a killing on your watch had to have kicked in. You are not somebody I want to see on the police force. Um, so I offer that as uh, closing statements, and I just really, in my heart, want to offer so much, send love and so many blessings to the mothers and fathers and families 
of um, all those who lost their loved ones at the hands of police. I, 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 you know, as I listened to that post, you know, the last uh, uh, message that you played, that um, I was brought to tears again, you know, just listening to what we have to tell our sons. And I heard myself saying these very same things to Sean. And he's 31 years old. He'll be 32. God bless him in August. And I still say it. It still keeps me up at night. So I, I, you know, I just thank you uh, for this opportunity again, uh, Jay, for doing this, uh, making sure that this stays on the air, making sure that our voices are heard. And, you know, I just, you know, the politicians say it, but I'm going to say it right now. God bless the United States of America and let Mm. us see change in my lifetime, in Mm. your lifetime, in our lifetime. We have no more time to waste, no more life to lose. Mm. Wow. Powerful statement by a powerful woman. Thank you so much. I love you so much. Uh, John, man, final thoughts. Wow. You know, Jay, it it, it, it really is um, an experience that I, I enjoy being a part of every week. Um, I, I thank everyone for their expertise and really, you know, I, I, sometimes I leave the show and I and I sit back and I ponder for, for hours after the fact, you know, saying, okay, should I have said this or wish I had said this here? But when, when it's all said and done, once it's out there, it's out there. But the, yeah. the authenticity in which everyone speaks is of great value to me. And I thank yes. everybody for what they bring to the development in the field and of our community and the different perspectives. And I especially, you know, thank you for allowing me again to be an to have an opportunity to to just serve in this purpose. And you know, God bless you. God bless you and God bless each of the other contributors, uh Les, Jerome, uh Dr. Williams and Mr. Nessa, uh Chief for his commentary and all of this. And so again I appreciate you and if it's God's will my purpose, I will see you next week. Absolutely, man. Thank you, man. Much love for you, man. Mr. Jerome Spreeman, final thoughts. You know, I'm going to defer my final thoughts to Elias. And there it is, man. It gets the first and last word on the serious side. Mr. Elias, man, final thoughts. Well, my final thoughts are this, folks. Look, we, we, we're, we're all a diverse group of people. And, you know, I, I, I sit back and I watch people, especially some of my colleagues on and that I work with, and now they're saying that well, well, ten bucks ago there was a white guy in Dallas that got killed the same way as George Floyd. Where's his riding at? Why, why didn't people ride for him? And, and my, my my simple response was hell. For last month alone, four unarmed black people got killed. One was in her home sleep. So and, and what happened to, to, to the to the gentleman where he was in his house sitting on the couch eating ice cream, and the police and the police officer broke into his house and she killed him in Dallas. This is happening far too much in our community, and you want to sit here and tell me uh, this? It's just ridiculous to me. Look, you, white people, are, some white people are never going to get it. So for, for those people out there that the white people are not going to get it, stop wasting your breath. Easy is one of those people that's never going to get it. 
he's, he's, you know, he's never going to understand the plight of a black man because he's not black. And I get that, but still, if you want to change your plight, folks, get out and vote. And don't just vote in the presidential election when it's, when, when it's somebody that you want. Get out and vote in your, your, your local election. And, and most definitely vote in for the senators and the congressmen. Because if you don't get out and vote, you don't have a voice. And, and, and stop this telling me that you're voting for, uh, you're not voting for a change. Look, vote, vote the people in office that you want. And if you don't get who you want, just still keep voting. Because some people, have, some, some of my ancestors have paid the highest price. That means they gave their life so you could have the right to vote. So don't disrespect your ancestors. Get out and vote. All right, we're 60 seconds out. We're going to lose a live audience in 60 seconds. So, uh, once again, we appreciate you listening, and uh, and so we hope to see you back here next week. And for those who are listening during their normal channels, the show goes on. Uh, look, my final thoughts, I want to read a couple of comments. First of all, I've received some comments from people from our listeners throughout the week, very nice notes. Matter of fact, I received one from, from uh, Easy, which was a very nice note. So, you know, people are listening. People are feeling lethargic. Well, not lethargic, but people are feeling uh, – Excuse me, people are really understanding what our people have been going through, so it's interesting. But I want to read a couple of comments here uh, from Chatterbox. And for those who are listening, coming up next will be uh, on a need-to-know basis because we got to get it. So we'll get it in overtime for those who want to listen live. If you want to hear it live, 347-850-1272, you can call in. Or you can wait until the show posts 10 minutes later, and uh, you can listen to it as well. All right, I want to read two comments. Uh, one from Pastor Stephen Jones. He says, The Blessings Family. May God's grace continue to bless this nation. He said, preach, Brother Jerome. I wholeheartedly agree with your comments, although I would have chose, I would have used different language. (laughs) Once again, this should be a national syndicated show. I listen to talk shows all during the week, but yet I find myself at some point of the week listening to a rebroadcast of this show. What can we do to make this happen? Well, Pastor Jones, you can just keep telling people, and hopefully one day it will happen. Here's the one I really wanted to read. It's from a guy by the name of Kenneth in New Orleans. He said, it takes a big man to admit when he's wrong, but I stand here today as a white Republican with Trump stickers and decals all over my vehicle to say that I was wrong. I got into an argument with one of my Hispanic coworkers one day about the border wall. She suggested that I listen to your show, so I promised her that I would. So, so see, so I have been listening for the past two months to this broadcast. I will admit, when I first started listening, I was completely biased. Only saw things through the lens of Trump. So I'm proud to say that after listening to your show, uh, and after the deaths of Brianna and George, and I'm at, I denounce. I'm here to denounce the president. I denounce the GOP, and I will vote Democratic from this day forward. I want to thank you all for opening my eyes to the injustice to my black brothers and sisters. I consider this show an important tool in racial relations, and like the listener commented last week, you guys are leaders, and we are following y'all's lead. Thank you again, and may God bless you all. Kenneth, you know, we try to bring them over one at a time, brother, one at a time. Welcome. Welcome to the right side. Welcome to the right side. We appreciate it. We really appreciate it. We try to bring them over one at a time. But it's interesting. It's just the fact that I think what Kenneth is saying, here's my final thoughts. I think what Kenneth is saying is what a lot of people are saying. If you don't hang around black folk, then you don't know what we're dealing with. And what this show does on a weekly basis is for you to hear from people, people who are in the struggle, people who are living these lives. You know, we do the WLBs, you know, because you don't have the right to walk up to me because I don't look like you to ask me or question my authority to go into certain places. Now, listen, we all want people to be civic-minded and make sure that if you see danger or whatever, but 
don't be mad at me or don't automatically have your guards up because I don't look like you. Like I mentioned at the top of this, like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, the only police officer that was prosecuted for shooting an unarmed person was the black cop who shot a white woman. Is that, is that ironic or what? You folks need to understand it's your problem, not mine. I can't change the color of my skin, but you can change your attitude towards me. And it just frustrates me to all to be damned that because I look a certain way that you are automatically looking at me through a negative lens. You need to change the way you do business. And on another note, tomorrow is the birthday of one of the most beautiful women on the face of this planet. Yes, my baby girl. She's going to continue to be my baby girl. Nicole, I love you with everything within me. Being your father is the greatest, 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 greatest gift that I've ever been blessed with. There's nothing else I'd rather do than be the father of you. I love you. I love you. I love you with all of my heart. And even though you came during the Bulls playoff games and I had to miss <laughs> half the game because your buck could get here, I'm glad I missed those few minutes. Sweetie, I love you. I love you. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, oh my God, I love you, baby girl I love you so much God bless you, your beautiful smile And remember, your daddy, as long as I have breath in my body Will always be there for you And on that note, Mr. Elias If it's Sunday And we're talking serious stuff What time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the J. Ralph Show Folks, don't go anywhere. Coming up next on the Need to Know Basis with my main man, Mr. Jerome Esprit. So for Vanessa, for Kathleen, for Johnny, for Mr. Elias, for Jerome, I'm Jay Riles saying have a wonderful work week. Pray for our nation. Remember, this Sunday, we're talking serious stuff. It is the serious side. God bless, folks. We'll see you next week. Dazzles on election night in a Tell me what do you want me to do? Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Another week and another edition of On a Need to Know Basis with my main man, Mr. Jerome Esprit. Jerome, man, what you got cooking in the kitchen this morning? Um, you know, um, today is the birthday of Prince. And, you know, as all everything else is going on in the world, you know, I have to, out of respect, say, um, you know, mention this day, marketing history of who I would consider the soul of music, you know, one of the greatest entertainers. Michael Jackson was the world's greatest entertainer. That's the title I always gave him. But Prince is like Uh the soundtrack of life. You can find a Prince song for anything. So just across the board, so much respect to um, Prince Rogers Nelson. Today is Prince's birthday. So, you know, I, wow. if you want to light up your, your purple and want to wear something, don't wear nothing with your butt out, but just know that you can wear some stuff to honor Prince today. <laughs>
got to do that a little bit for Austin there, Jay. I don't know what is wrong with you, but have that in the, in the, in the I play stuff like that every now and then. I got you, no, bro. I got you. That, that song, as a moment of history, was not like um, I was not a Prince fan when that song came out, but I remember that song. Um, you know how when songs are in heavy rotation when you're little, my alarm yeah. clock would go off, and um, why you want to treat me so bad would come on. I was like, oh, like, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Like, those songs. Anyway, woke me up in the morning, so much respect and good looking out, Jay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got you. Hey, good looking. All right, so in our, in our first story, I guess I could go to that. It's hard to come down from that. I'll tell you right now. Yeah. All right. Now, NASA is saying that the sun is unleashing, is unleashed its biggest flare since 2017. So they said our home star, which is the sun, if you don't know, um, could finally be waking up from a deep period of solar uh, minimum and enter a new 11-year cycle. So on May um, 29th, you know, um, they said that the strongest flare before now was October 17th. Uh, May 29th. So we may be entering a new um, solar cycle. So that's from NASA Solar Dynamics Observatory for those people who like to um, fact check me every now and then. Whatever. So, you know, the majority of energy consumption, you know, I'm getting a little sensitive, uh, Elias, so I better stop that. All right, so the majority of um, energy consumed in the U.S. You want to believe that, Jerome? You want us to believe that? <laughs> well, actually, I know you're not believing that. That's why I can say it. <laughs> can I go? Let's back up that. There you go. Shout out to my girl, Mariana Music. Jay's going to get Jay's gonna get enough to put me on overtime because I am not going to stay focused. Whatever to everybody else. I know that. Look here, man. Don't, don't, put, don't put that on me, Drone. Don't put that on me. I'm enjoying okay, myself. Well, Leave me alone. Hey, hey, just like Kathleen said, do you re- really believe I put that on you? I don't think so. <laughs> I, just, I just said it. We're overtime. Can I go? She just told you to answer that question. All right. Now, the majority of energy consumed in the U.S. during 2019 came from renewable sources like wind tur- turbo- turbines, um, hydropower plants, and solar panels, displacing coal as the energy's main energy source. Now, this is the, the first time this ever happened. What'd you say? Isn't that the ones that give you cancer because they go woof, 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 woof? <laughs> <laughs> According to Dozard, <laughs> I was like, like, we should quote him as a, uh, as a reference point. According to Dozard, um, so according to a report from the U.S. Energy Information Administration, 19, um, 2019 was the first year since 1885 when coal was not the country's main um, energy source. So there you have it. You know, our use of coal, um, coal-derived energy in the U.S. has declined by nearly half since it peaked in 2008. I wonder who was president around that time. And year <laughs> over year, uses declined by 15 percent between 2018 and 19. So it's been going yeah. down since Obama put all that stuff in. The Trump people took it out, but they still, still have um, become an alternative energy for us. So, again, he didn't break everything, but he is damn sure trying. Um, sorry, Pastor, for that. Like, the, the other pastor who said he didn't like my words. <laughs> See, Kathleen, I can. I, I can have a little levity. 
All right. Tomorrow, Andrew Cuomo announced the Save My Name Act. So the Save My Name Act um, is highlighting four points, and I'm not going to shout out the police chief that was on, but here's what it it says. There's going to be transparency um, for prior disciplinary records, that um, 50A law that we have in New York State that hides police um, conduct records. Right, it's going to still hide your home address and your phone number, so don't say that we are exposed. Your disciplinary records and how you're arresting people—that needs to be transparent. There will be no chokeholds, whether it's a knee on your neck or hands around somebody's throat. You cannot suppress people' um, windpipes at all as a police. That should not been a police tactic, and we shouldn't have to tell you this. But now it's in—it's going to be in law. There will be no false. Race-based 911 reporting will be against the law in New York. They are pushing legislation right now. So Mm. for all you um, Karens that's Mm. out there who feel like I need to call a black man for barbecuing, for looking at me, for cutting his grass, for um, breathing, yeah, you are going to go to jail in New York State. And also, the attorney general is going to be – um, going to be governed to, as an independent prosecutor for police murders. So if a policeman kills someone in New York State, um, some woman named Letitia James is coming at you right now. Letitia don't play. Hmm. I don't know if you guys also seen known her as on. Tish. Yeah, yeah. Letitia is the person who Letitia is the person who um, Donald Trump's scared of because he's pulling his tax stuff right now. <laughs> but, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> what? 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 Yeah. But yeah. So yeah. so anyway, that's the that's the thing is that the uh, New York State is going to come in, not your local DA, to let your local police department off the hook because they're all friends and family and in the same country club. New York State is going to come in and prosecute any police murder, murders. So that was announced in the um, Say My Name Act that they're pushing through as legislation. He said he will sign if the legislature gives it to him. So just wanted to say that. Kathleen, I know you said something about that. What were you saying? Uh, I was just so happy to hear the um, the 911 law. I, I was so happy yeah. to hear that. Great yeah. space 911. That, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and they should definitely, that, that should take off across the nation. That yeah. that has to stop. Yes, it because that, you yes. know, that was the whole driving while black, driving, you know, all the issues of Starbucks, all that stuff, the um, Waffle Houses and all that crap where people were calling the police on us for nothing, for nothing. Going yeah. into your, trying to get into your apartment and all that kind of stuff. which is ridiculous thing. So I'm happy to hear about all of it. Uh, say their name, Ash, but that in particular, I was that very That in particular is going to make a big, big difference, a big right? difference. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it'll stop and people I think from using the police as their own mili- personal military. Thank you. Yeah, and yeah. I hope Jerome, you're going to talk about the. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of question going around on the internet of the picture of the men that uh, uh, that guy brought in in D.C. You know, who I'm talking about the one you can't say his name, the one that he brought in to stand up against the protesters. There were pictures of them saying that there were no badges. There was no insignia on them. 
somebody even mentioned that they didn't even look like they were in shape, and they wanted to know who are these men? Who are they? And where did they come from? And they were all white. So I didn't see a black face amongst them. So you know, no Latino, no nothing. In my guess, if I had to guess, I believe that it is Eric um, Prince's people, Betsy Duvall's um, her, um, brother, the Halliburton people and those those military, you know, militia. Uh, I believe that they subcontracted people to come in because they didn't think they would be held to the account of, you know, to the um, to the laws because they're not police officers. Because you can't wear a badge hmm. if you're not a policeman. Right. So I, I would suspect, suspect that was it. Although D.C.'s mayor said that the police knew who they were, but they wouldn't identify themselves. So I say but this. they weren't police. Exactly. So I say this as any protester, as any law-abiding citizen. If somebody approaches you and they don't identify they, themselves as police, they are free game. This yep. is not that, it's not that country where you can just arbitrarily put on something and say, do something, you know, and make someone do something. We have to stand up in this moment and stop that type of policing in this country. It is why we need to change the laws. But since this, since um, Washington, D.C. is not a state, the governor, the, the federal government can determine um, how it's policed. And so long as they're covering for them, they're fine. But in any other state, you could not do that because the state troopers would go arrest them. And again, my thought has always been if the president sends the military in, the governor has all um, authority to call the National Guard in to stop the army from coming in. And that is going to be an interesting sight to see a line of National Guardmen, guards facing uh, U.S. Army. That is going to be interesting, but they have every right to do that. It is the governor who technically is the president of the state. And it's the way, if you want to read this through the Constitution, they felt that in case federal government broke down, we would have 50 different countries, or it wasn't 50 at the time, but they figured each state had its own constitution and its own president, just in case the federal government broke down and they need to put it back, to, put it back together, that the state has authority and federal government only has authority when it's interstate commerce or interstate actions, but it does not inside of a state. You get, a, you have to get permission from the governor. So it's in time. I'm interested to see how that plays out. Now, um, you know, researchers looked at um, 1,400 countries, uh, counties across the United States, and grouped them by rural, urban, and suburban from March 15th to May 28th, and 82% of them have been able to reduce their coronavirus transmission rates um, to below that R1, like the really one-to-one transmission rates. They've been able to reduce it. Now, this means that Americans affected with COVID-19 spread the disease less than one one other person. So counties with little um, public transportation use were able to... um, more quickly reduced the transmission rates compared to counties with high use, and urban counties responded better to local orders, um, while rural communities and suburban counties had a better response when orders came from federal government. It just means that rural people in the dotard, apparently. And in the U.S., um, there are more than 1.7 million confirmed cases with more than 104,000 um, deaths. Now, 
Um, as far as Corona is concerned, you know, Italian doctors are saying that the coronavirus is weaker during the height, uh, weaker now than it was during the height of the pandemic. So doctors in Italy mm-hmm. um, say that patient samples they're analyzing now contains a significantly smaller amount of coronavirus than the ones that they saw during the peak of the outbreak. So this is good news to say that the next round may have a weaker strain of it so that you may just catch a cold or you may it may not be as fatal as the corona the longer that coronavirus lasts it's actually getting weaker. So that mm. might be good and that may wow. not require people to have vaccinations, which is probably gonna only work at about ten percent of people anyway. So, you know, it may just, you know, because the common cold is a Corona. It's it's like a Corona 4 strain or something, but it's technically a Corona. So if you've had a cold before, you may be building antibodies. And so since that the strain is getting weaker, kind of leads to conspiracy theories, uh, um, theorists, that the strain that was released was potent. So where did it come from? If this if the new strains are going to be weaker, the longer it lasts. So Mm -hmm. hopefully this is true. And. Um, the Italian doctors were on, are on to something, so we may not need the vaccine um, injected in everybody if that strain is getting weaker. Now, standing three feet apart and wearing a mask and a face shield to cut coronavirus transmission, it cuts the risk up to 80%, according to a new study. Um, that study from McMaster's University in Canada found that standing at least three feet lowered the risk of the transmission, but standing six feet cut it by half and also that 60% of the people if 60% of the people wore a mask that were 60% of effective that we would wipe out coronavirus that is one of the studies that also came out 60% of people wearing masks at a 60% um, 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 you know rate of um, I guess I, I just said the word but anyway if it's that if it's only 60% effective, um, we would still get rid of coronavirus entirely. So everybody keep wearing a mask and stop letting people um, breathe in your face. If you can smell their breath, you're too close. <laughs> and, well, we'll put that out. Now, uh, Marine, the Marine Corps has, Corps has banned public displays of Confederate flag, flags on its bases and installations. Um, the message, yeah, the nationwide unrest of Um, George um, Floyd is causing the military to react too. So the Confederate battle flag has been often, I guess, co-opted by violent extremists, which still is a symbol of race hate groups. Um, They're saying it has no place in in our core, uh, the Marine Corps said on Friday. So images on T-shirts, mugs, um, bumper stickers is all banned off of military um, installations. Hmm. So that is actually, again, the, the people protesting is making effect on policy change. Stop trying to get these institutions to go back to normal. Normal wasn't working for hmm. us. Now, no, it never was. Yeah. And, you know, and speaking on some of the other things that are not changing, a California cop sparked outrage after um, they protested um, and did not I'm sorry he sparked outrage after um, a protest and did not arrest a white driver who struck and killed a black protester now this California man died after being hit by a car during a George 
um, Floyd protest in Bakersfield in California. So Robert Forbes, who was in his mid-50s, passed away at the, ho- at the hospital yesterday, three days after he was struck by a, a vehicle. Police have not arrested the driver of the vehicle, who is white, and said that they're still investigating. I think they're not getting this. <laughs> We're protesting. It happened at a wow. protest. And they still won't wow. arrest the white guy who killed somebody. A Toronto mm-hmm. man is arrested for turning up um, and turning up at an anti-racist protest in blackface. And he yells, I got a tan. He was escorted away by two police officers after the demonstrators attacked him. Uh, the man who has not been identified showed up wearing black paint on his face at an anti-racism event um, in, um, in Toronto. Was it Trudeau? Was it Trudeau? Uh, sorry, too soon. Uh, uh, be, all right. <laughs> be nice. I know we're over time. <laughs> Trudeau has been wow. an ally, and we know he wore blackface before, but no, it wasn't him. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Illinois nurse suspended after posting um, um, a post on Facebook commenting about running over pro- protesters uh, with her car saying that they will make great hood ornaments. So this nurse who has not, again, been publicly identified, was suspended at the Catholic OSF Healthcare Systems in Peoria, Illinois, earlier this week following complaints about her insinuary remarks. I don't know if she's getting fired, but she said she wanted to run them over and use them as hood ornaments. Now, Michigan police chief who attacked the, uh, the protesters in a vile treat at asking for body bags for these vicious subhumans he was placed on paid leave. Shelby Township what? Police Robert Shield, yes, he has apologized and has been placed on um, paid leave while officials investigate his what they call inflammatory tweets that he posted. Now, in one tweet, he called for body bags for protesters. Body bags for these vicious subhumans. That guy is still police chief. So you see why people are still marching. It is not just about him. It's about the fact that white folks are still even pushing back against this. People are protesting <laughs> unlawful treatment of black folks, and white folks are still fighting it, right? So Megan Marco broke her silence this week um, on the murder of George Floyd. Um, declaring that Black Lives Matter and revealed that she had not spoken about his death before because she had been nervous. Um, the Duchess of Sussex gave an address to graduating um, students at her old school, Macklin Hart High School in Los Angeles, where she also named other African Americans who were killed by um, police in recent years. She um, attended school from age eight of um, 11, 11 to 18, he said George Flood, uh, Floyd's life mattered and Breonna Taylor's life matter, mattered and um, Philando Castro's life mattered, Tamara Rice's life mattered. So she referred um, to um, she, they, she refers to Los Angeles as her, family, uh, as her family's hometown and she just needed to speak, you know, she felt she needed to speak to um, students. You know, speaking about her decision to speak out, she said, "I I wasn't sure what I would say what I would say to you, but I want to say the right thing. Um, I wanted to say the right thing, 
and I was really nervous that it would be picked apart. She said, I realized the only wrong thing to say is to say nothing. So mm. she addressed the six-minute video, and um, the video was... Yeah, what you say? Did somebody tell Oprah and Gail that? <laughs> Again, I've, I've seen me. You know, when it's R. Kelly, oh, Oprah and Gail is out there. When it's, when it's uh, Bill Cosby, they out there. When they want to, you know, smudge somebody's reputation as a black male, Oprah and Gail are out there. Oprah and Gail have not done anything publicly. And again, mm-hmm. they have to accept this criticism. Like they, they, you know, they have to take it. So I don't feel sorry for Oprah and Gail. So anyway, you know, Megan's um, article was um, published in Essence magazine, so they published it on their website. I think that's why everybody okay. else didn't pick it up. Essence published it. Now the LA mayor is set to cut 150 million dollars from cop budget and give it to the communities of color instead, declaring that he is committed to making this moment not just a moment, right? Thousands descended on Hollywood in Los Angeles, where um, Mayor Eric Garcetti vowed to redirect $150 million towards the black community's health and education from the LAPD budget, which they should do. They don't need that kind of money. And I know the police chief that was on there, forget Jay, and I know that's your friend, whatever, that we need to understand that they have a job to do and we have a job to do. So they don't need all of those resources to try to scare us by saying, you know, what if they come up on the scene and somebody has an AK-47? Well, call for backup or keep it in your trunk. But there's no reason for officers to work to militarily police black communities when they don't military police white communities because they have all the guns in their community, not in the black ones. Now, a senior Facebook um, staff uh, Facebook staff staged a walkout after disagreeing publicly with um, Zuckerberg. Um, his refusal to remove Donald Trump's incendiary post about um, George Floyd's protest. So the Facebook employees staged the walkout on Monday after criticizing Mark Zuckerberg's decision to let those stay on site. Now, again, like Vanessa said about LES, and I've been in Facebook jail too, if you say black too much on Facebook, they mm-hmm. will give you a timeout. You go to Facebook jail. Yep. Yep. But anybody can say anything else, but they are hypersensitive when people say stuff about black people, and it leads to systemic racism as well. So they're not listening to the protest anyway, so his senior staff walked out. Again, this is, is hitting everybody. So the world is demanding justice. Thousands of protesters from Berlin to New Zealand are uh, London, Toronto, Copenhagen, everybody is, um, you know, coming out with rallies this week. And so much respect to those people who are putting it on the line, uh, risking their jobs to go out and say, you know what, we need to protest. Now, um, boxing legend um, Floyd Mayweather Jr. is funding, he, he, they, at the time he said four memorials, but since he's having three, um, He's funding the memorials in memory of um, George um, Floyd, and um, the family accepted the offer. I know one of the checks came in at about eighty grand, but Floyd May- Mayweather is helping pay for this stuff. So much respect to Floyd Mayweather. Um, Black good. Entertainment mm-hmm. Television, yeah. Black Entertainment fo- um, founder uh, Robert Johnson says that fourteen trillion dollars of reparations should be paid to Black people for slavery. 
You know, he's the founder yeah. of the. He's right. He's yeah, he's a right. Republican, and he should give us reparations by um, not perpetrating uh, stereotypes on BET. But that's a whole other story. But he sold you it. Said he's so a Republican. Yeah, I think he is. Oh wow. Okay. I, I'm I'm not I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But I remember back in the days he um, was supporting. Um, he gave money to Republican stuff, and I thought that I think that he is one. But I don't, I'm not sure if he officially said that he was. But he was supporting a lot of those things that were, um, you know, not really in our benefit as black folks. So Robert Johnson believed that he's a capitalist. Like most black people who believe that they're capitalists usually side with Republicans because they think that it's about money and not about your, you know, moral ethics and, and, and all of that other stuff. Um, yeah. You know, Pallets of bricks randomly appeared and at protests in New York City, Cal- Kansas City, um, Dallas, and North Carolina, sparking theories that they were planted by cops or extremists to stoke violence. So protesters have been re- reporting that they're finding large stashes of bl- bricks and stuff early on, and it's extremely yep. open. What'd you say? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah I, I saw that, man. They were, they had a, a, a whole stack of bricks, right? Right, for the protest, I was like, why would they plant that? Why would they put that stuff there? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a video of this of this car pulling up, and white folks trying to give black people like Molotov cocktails, you know, just to blow, mm-hmm. just and uh, other devices that explode. And and I said this when it first happened with all the violence. Black people don't don't keep pallets around just to go um, burn up carts at Target. <laughs> really? <laughs> Somebody dropped that stuff off. Really? <laughs> so, wow. so to actually have a whole uh, couple of days of conversations of saying we need to keep it peaceful was done intentionally so that people would not understand why you're protesting. They changed the narrative. Trump wanted to change the narrative. They want to make the people who are protesting, you know, the um, they make them the focus. But the truth is, is that when black people protest, we don't bring guns and torches to protest. That's somebody yeah. else. You might want yeah. to look at Yeah, I think you could easily uh, see that. All right, now, this white woman who identified herself as, um, I guess, this Bavana um, Flum, she even heard telling police officers that she was being um, threatened while footage shows her not being threatened. And guess what happened? The married millionaire of a of car salesman, Gary Flum, um, goes on to accuse somebody black of harassing her. She accused this woman of harassing her and threatening her children. But there was footage of them while she was calling the cops saying that, and they knew that she was lying. So she, her husband, she co-owns a restaurant, and as a regular uh, New York City socialite, it is what they're saying in the news story. But it's not known if police took any action um, from that incident that happened on Sunday. But, again, that's why, you know, they're going to have a law that says if you call 911 uh, reporting, you know, racist stuff, that you should get arrested. But she used her privilege, and the person who was recording her was like, look at this. She was like, oh, my God, she's threatening me and harassing me. She, you know, again, this is the whole thing about Emmett Till and white women crying foul and all this other stuff and getting people killed because they know the police is coming in, guns blazing. 
Mm. Just another case of that. Now, um, you know, the judge in the Michael Flynn's case said that I'm not a rubber stamp to prosecutors as he explains why he won't let the charges drop against Flynn. So federal judge um, Emmett, yeah, Emmett, um, um, I guess it's it's Sylvan. Um, spelled out why he does not agree with dropping charges against um, the national, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn um, during their uh, court appeal. And Flynn wants them to drop the charges, but the judge is not mm. doing it, which is good. Wow. Did, yeah. did you see he's, uh, Trump is going to uh, give, uh, what's that clowns, Roger Stone a, uh, a part? He's a part? No, I didn't that see now. that he's going to yeah. do that. That doesn't yeah, surprise Yeah, he's threatening to give him a part. And I was like, yeah, well, uh, what else is new with this corrupt bastard? <laughs> Here we go. Right. Let's let's start that, right? Now, yeah. um, Wisconsin police apologized for wrongly arresting an African-American man at gunpoint at his rental home. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. After a neighbor called 911 about a black man inside a house who shouldn't be there. So, <laughs> yeah. The uh, Monona Police Department received a call. This is in Wisconsin from a woman. Um, at 10.50 a.m. on Tuesday reporting that she's seen a black man inside her neighbor's home. And so, of course, they came in with guns blazing, and it was the home that he was renting. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Wow. They, they New York, New York, that law needs to travel, calling 911 because yeah. somebody's black. Really? That'd be your really? thing. Now, mm. um, a West Virginia woman and her husband allegedly faked her disappearance by pretending she fell from a cliff to avoid jail time. They were arrested <laughs> on Sunday. So Rodney Wheeler, 48, reports. I should have played black or white on this one for uh, Kathleen. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. which is this couple black or white? Rodney Wheeler <laughs> and his, war, his wife, Julie Wheeler, um, had, um, he reported that she fell from an overlook, like some river gorge in West Virginia while they were out hiking. And police, you know, of course, sent out authorities and stuff and couldn't find her. But authorities immediately lost a large-scale missing, um, uh, large-scale search for that missing mother of two uh, with a National Guard helicopter deploying just to look over the area, and diving crews were dispatched to go into the water. Investigators also bought sniffer dogs, and uh, they were scaling uh, besides the cliff, looking for her, and they found out they caught both of them and found out that she was just avoiding jail, going to jail. So they had to act like she died. Now, now wow. unlike the Jesse Smollett, unlike the Jesse Smollett situation, I wonder if they're gonna ask him to pay for that. <laughs> Thanks for that, Jay. Because I usually like that as a bed when we do do a, do a black or white story. So, you know. <laughs> wow. Is that, is that needed on this one? Now, you know, there was a mugshot that showed shrapnel wounds of this guy who they said the face of um, incel. And I guess it's a, a group of kids. This kid was 23. Of involuntarily celibate, I guess is what incel is. So the man, the kid accidentally amputated his own hand because he was making a bomb to blow up what he called hot cheerleaders. So this kid, I should play black or white. Wow, I, wow. Go ahead, white. Jay. Throw it off. I could have had Kathleen and Elias. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so I'm going to need to know if he's black or white. If we, I think we're going to know the chance of this. His name is Come Cole. On, man. <laughs> His name is Cole Carney, 23. He blew Come up on. his head because um wanted to blow up hot cheerleaders because he didn't like them. So we know. Uh, we already know your ass. What's your ass, Elias? What was he? White. White, Kathleen? white all day long. Kathleen, <laughs> we know. Out. She, she dropped out. out. We know Kathleen. what this is. She's yeah. gonna be mad at at missing that. <laughs> um, um, superstar Elton John offered to help his ex, who needed a knee replacement after 50 years after he jilted her at the altar just before their wedding. Mm. Linda Hannon, wow. who's 76, she was engaged to you know Elton John, who's 73. Um, who she knows as Reg Dwight. I never knew Elton John's real name. Yeah, but um that's Reggie Dwight, yeah. Yeah, she mm-hmm. she um he helped support um she helped support him financially to pursue his music career. But the couple who met at a club in Shetfield in sixty eight when they were twenty he was twenty one, never made it down to mm-hmm. altar because Elton John's songwriter, this guy, um Bernie um Tolpin, talked him out mm-hmm. of going ahead in the marriage when they had the bachelor party. Can you imagine the day before your best man was like, Don't do it, man. Don't do it. <laughs> so Elton right. John never treated her. It wasn't hard. Cause it's like he's, he's, he's gay, man. I mean, okay. It's like, it wasn't hard to talk about it, please. <laughs> no, no, no. He got, he got married after that. He married some woman yeah, after that and then came out as gay. He, he got married after that. Yeah. yeah, he did. He yeah, got he married was, after he was that. Doing that for, he was doing that as a front, man. He was doing that as a front. He wasn't, yeah, uh, but there's, there's a. Um, there's a really famous Elton John song that's really sad as heck. That that guy, the songwriter, wrote about him um, leaving her. And I'm trying to think of the name of it. I, I had it right at the top of my head. I should have wrote it down. But it's, it's a really popular Elton John song. Um, it's really sad, though, because it has something to do with him contemplating. So, Someone saved my life tonight. Oh, okay. You know that song? Yep. I do. Yeah, it's a. It, it was like mm-hmm. he was contemplating suicide, and he talked him out of getting mm-hmm. married. He said, "You know, go ahead and pursue music, that kind of thing." But the, the songwriter who wrote that song is Bernie um, Taupin, and it and it's um, yep. his his friend who talked him out of it. Someone saved my life tonight, and yep. and the song is that someone saved my life tonight. Sugar Bear, that was his nickname. Um, that guy, um, Bernie's nickname, and. Um, um, I should have wrote the lyrics, but it, it is it is a really really sad song. But they play it in everything, so you don't really notice what it is. But yeah, he mm-hmm. was contemplating, he was contemplating suicide. Um, he tried. He actually tried it. He actually tried it. He did took he? a bunch of pills. Yeah, uh, in Beverly Hills, he took a bunch of pills, and then he um, he he jumped into the pool. He tried to kill yeah, himself. See, yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't know that he did that. Mm-hmm. But man, so anyway, Elton John actually went ahead and, um, you know, helped her. And he, she said um, she never harbored any resentment against him for walking out and, we, uh, you know, um, running from the altar. And she sent messages to his publishers she didn't think was getting, get, getting to him. So she started talking about, you know, remember you went to my brother's 21st birthday wearing this, you know, lime color suit. She should know he was gay to Jay's point at that point. But anywho, <laughs> man, I'm glad this is not live. Your letters are gonna be off the dark, there, Jay. 
And everybody and their mother is like, well, I think Bill Cosby should say for something that happened in the 70s. Right? It's like, yeah, yeah. He should stay in jail for something he happened in the 70s now that he's like 90. Again, again, a part of the same protest, unfair treatment. We need to change some things, and and prison reform needs to be one of them while we're at it. Absolutely. I agree. All right. I'll do I'll do one more to let everyone go because I know that um, we have went into double overtime in this. But to, uh, <laughs> I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed yeah. it, my brother. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, Jay, you might want to call Elias after the show because Elias oh. and I was going to boycott the show, so we'll tell you about that later. Now oh, here is our God. last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next thing you you're in overtime. Everybody's going to hear this. So in our last story, you know, there's a story that says that going gray is caused by stress but can be reversed, according to this new story huh? study. So researchers, oh, well, I'm yeah, I'm me all too. ears. <laughs> <laughs> researchers from Columbia University found that the process of going gray can be reversed in hairs that have not re- uh, that has only been recently turned gray. So when it first starts. If you relieve your stress, your hair will turn back dark, is what they're saying. If, it, if it's already really white, they don't think it can do. You're going to use some, um, you're going to need some greasing. <laughs> you're going to need okay, some, well. you're going to need some. <laughs> right, I think I'm going to need that then. All right, just for me. And all right, my bad. So you got me all fired up, man. Now I just, yeah, okay. It's a done deal. <laughs> that was good, Jerome. That was good stuff, man. I mean, I like it. So, uh. Public service announcements every now and then. Yeah, you're a good guy, man. I appreciate you. So that's it. That's it for this week's edition of In. Uh, look, I was about to talk about something else. Uh, on the need to know basis with Mr. Jerome Spree. And because, like the man said, it's Prince's birthday, I'm going to let. We're going to leave out with Prince and we're going to let the whole thing play because I want to dance. So for Jerome, Mr. L.E.S. <laughs> Kathleen, I'm Jay saying have a wonderful week. I loved it. This is good. Freelance, get a chance to relax after the show. Who knows? I love it. But uh, we're definitely going to continue. It's coming back in this regularly scheduled time. I want it, you know, during the show. But I like this, too. We may even do, maybe we'll do two. I like this. This is pretty cool. There you go. Sorry, folks. We're going to step out. It's time to go. Happy birthday, you, Prince. We're out of here. He says, woo Hey, alarm clock is going off. Make it hot.
You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Radio Network. 